Florida Five. It doesn't hold any odor. It's realistic. It's hygienic. It's affordable. And there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with cut floors, and he came out and measured. And the measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here to the fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It, it, there's no special care. It, it's really nice. We actually have a mobile showroom, so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you, and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call, and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot, and it's all free of charge. That's Pet Floor of Houston. PetFloor.com. As you know, this is the final stage in your examination. It's a rather informal test in which we try to get some line on your ability to think on your feet. The reaction to stress and pressure. Clear your desk. Get your number two pencil ready. If you are ready, the inquisition is about to begin. If you have questions, please refer them to the chat room and make them good. Go ahead. Make my day. yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Live from Houston, Texas, a man who calls it like he sees it, without the normal political correctness he may have grown comfortable with. It's time for the Texas Perspective on Current News and Events. The show is not for the faint of heart or easily offended. Chances are you will learn something and along the way get to hear some great music from bands you may have missed. The doctor is in, and he will see you now. Well, I guess we better get on with it. And the doctor is in, and hopefully we're live on YouTube as well. Be looking for feedback from you guys as far as uh, general broadcast quality, sound, and whatnot. So uh, the doctor is in. Lots happening today up on Capitol Hill. Lots happening here in Texas. It's almost like trying to eat an elephant. You don't know where to begin. One of the things that I wanted to talk about just a little bit today is Texas politicians and whether or not they're going to remain true Texans. Uh, There's a a fellow by the name of Jody Arrington uh, just elected uh, in Lubbock as a congressman, and he is going to move his entire family to Washington, D.C., and then he's going to come home on the weekends. At least that's uh, what he stated that he wants to do. And he said it's a family decision. It's going to be a journey and adventure. Arrington uh, said that he's an outlier in this life choice because most of the Texas delegation opt for a different lifestyle. It is racing to Washington at the beginning of every week, returning home three days later. And that's the life of a handful of Texas members currently uh, up, up there in Washington. But then they are all men, and as there are currently no mothers with children younger than 18 in the delegation, it's not a big deal. 
Texas has not elected a freshman woman to a full term of Congress since 1996. One of the reasons for this, of course, is because if you happen to get elected to Congress, chances are you're there for life. You're, you're there for pretty much as long as you want to be. Uh, most of the people that are out there in the voting public, once they got through the presidential election, they just put it on the back shelf. They don't look at, at it again until the next presidential election. They have no idea who really represents them. Most people don't even know who their congressman is. They certainly don't know who their senators are. Um, they, uh, they know very little about politics in general. They just assume, as I did for so many years of my life, that uh, everything was going to go on as it always had before and that uh, people that were better than they, more educated, more erudite, would be taking care of the business of governing them. And so consequently, they've become used to kissing the glove, and they just don't pay any attention to it anymore. Nothing, of course, could be farther from the truth. So I don't know, what, I don't know how to tell you, but, I mean, it's just the, the way that it is. These guys that are up there in Washington, these people that are going to Washington, they know probably less about these situations than you do. They're probably less trustworthy than you are. And most of them are going there to feather their own nest. Thus, the situation that we have. So, anyway, I want to I want to get everybody live on YouTube out there, and uh, you can go to the uh, you go to YouTube. You can look for the uh, uh, just type in Doc Green, Doc D O C Green G R E E N E. Just type that in, and then you can uh, join the show there. Uh, it's the Amazing Doc Green Show. If you just do a search for Hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show usually comes up pretty fast. But we'd like to get all of you in there uh, on the uh, YouTube broadcast. That is, if you want to see, uh, you know, me while I'm talking to you, you want to see what uh, what my face looks like, that's the place to go to do it. So anyway, uh, Representative Jody Arrington out of Lubbock is going to be headed for Washington with his uh, wife and kids. He's well aware that this is different than what most of them choose. He said, uh, while everyone else in Congress runs as far as they can from the U.S. Capitol as often as possible, his aim is to live as close to the building as he can so I can go home and occasionally have dinner with my family and tuck them into bed and then come back to work if I need to. Harrington said he will commute back to Lubbock every weekend and imagines his young children will spend their summers back home in order to instill the West Texas values. And, of course, we hope, we hope that he will do that. We'd like to see his children grow up as Texans, but most likely they will grow up infected by the virus that inhabits Washington, D.C., and, and uh, grow up and become basically worthless, uh, as most people that live in Washington, D.C. are. So um, U.S. Rep. Mark Vesey, for instance, he's a Democrat out of Fort Worth. He described conversations with former U.S. Speaker Jim Wright about a previous era, era in politics when members of Congress bonded uh, by attending uh, various different formal balls and softball games together. And this is the way that Republicans and Democrats were able to form these personal relationships that would ensure that they would vote liberal most of the time. It's very important that that happen, and it's a time that we've lost because now we've actually got a few, very darn few, but a few Republicans that actually intend to go up there and represent the people and to screw the whole thing up. 
It's going to really ruin things for the Speaker of the House that's absolutely counting on Republicans to vote like Democrats, especially in the era of Trump. I think they're going to be very surprised. But uh, VZ said, I do think you lose something by not being up here in Washington, D.C. all the time. Yeah, I do. I th- I, th- I agree with uh, Representative Mark Vizi. I think that if you don't live in Washington, D.C. and stay there, um, if, if you're going to stay in Washington, D.C., what you do lose is your sense of who you are. I think it's not possible. I That's why I really am for Texas independence. I really support Texas independence because it's really hard to be a Texan if you got to go up there. Now, I think we should have an ambassador to the United States, and that ambassador may indeed have to go there to Washington, D.C. and live for a while. But uh, Vizi said it's just not financially realistic for him or many others uh, in Congress to find adequate housing for a family near the Capitol. He said uh, it's very cost prohibitive, very expensive to live in Washington, D.C. And he was unwilling to commute in from Virginia or Maryland. Uh, so he said many members uh, get uh, apartments or townhouses and share them. So you got one bathroom, three men, said uh, U.S. Rep. Beto O'Rourke. Um, Bet- he keeps the Beto part uh, so that you know he's a Hispanic. Anyway, he describes his living situation in D.C. with two other House members. He said while he misses his wife and three kids, he prefers that current situation instead of moving into Washington. He said, so much of my identity and who I am and who I want my kids to be may be El Paso, but it's very important to us that our home is in El Paso and we raise our children there, and I maintain a strong connection to that community, said Beto O'Rourke. If a... uh, Member of Congress is viewed as too comfortable in Washington, D.C. It can foster political trouble over the long term. Few things make for better opposition research, though, than enrolling your children in Washington private schools or owning property in the district. Frequent trips home do allow a member to become more aware of potential primary or general election threats. But given the pros and cons, many members opt to put up with the weekly airplane commute. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, Frank uh, chimed in and said, uh, oh, my God, I'm starting to cry over here about these horrible living conditions. Well, these guys only make something like 200 grand a year. I mean, it's a barely adequate amount of money to make a living. And, of course, the associations they're going to make while they're up there generally make them very wealthy. That's why um, most people become politicians, because while they may go in as relative paupers, usually within one or two terms, they're fairly wealthy. They've made enough insider deals that uh, their their pockets are stuffed with cash, and life is good. That's generally the way they go. That's why they're having so much problems right now with the Trump administration and the new Trump cabinet, because these people have already made their fortunes. They don't need any money. Most of them are going to take a huge pay cut in order to do this little government job. And, um, yeah, Frank pointed out the exemption on insider trading laws really helps them, too. Yeah. Martha Stewart went to jail allegedly for insider trading. They determined she did not engage in entire or in insider trading, but what she did do was she apparently lied. They say she lied. I say maybe she forgot, but she lied to Congress and so consequently uh, ended up spending some period of time in jail. Uh too bad she wasn't Hillary because if she was Hillary, 
She could tell any number of lies to Congress, any number of lies to the FBI, and still be able to maintain her multi-million dollar foundation job and all of her uh, multi-million dollar properties. So that'll teach you, be Hillary or don't be anything, you know what I mean? So anyway, uh, I'm a little bit concerned, uh, may, may reach out here to uh, U.S. Rep. Jody Arrington. I'm a little concerned about him moving to Washington with his entire family. I don't know what he's doing. So, uh, yeah, every, everybody's doing it anyway, right, Frank? So it doesn't make any difference. Everybody's doing it. Quit worrying about it. We'll see what happens on that. A lot of people aren't aware, but uh, the liberal po- uh, the liberal journalist at the Texas Tribune wanted to point it out that uh, Lar- Carrier, there was a Carrier plant in Tyler, Texas, up in the northeast uh, area of Texas, and they ended up moving that all to Mexico. And they say, well, it's because they didn't get any uh, uh, Trump-style uh, support, you know, so they moved to Mexico. It uh, it was interesting how this is being coached, like this is Donald Trump's fault. Donald Trump should have stepped in. But I remind you, this happened several years ago. Donald Trump wasn't even considering running for the presidency when this did happen. Uh, but according to the Tribune, a lot of the locals watched enviously as President-elect Donald Trump uh, worked to get in- inducements to carry her to stay in Indiana. And then they talk about $7 million in tax breaks and other incentives. Uh, Donald Trump didn't pay those. The state paid those. And so the company's decision to leave Tyler has not been as devastating as some initially feared, though. The other air conditioning company has moved in. Train uh, moved into Tyler and uh, started using those facilities. Matt Schaefer said that while Carrier's closure initially had a local ripple effect, uh, he said uh, since we didn't offer them any incentives to keep it here, and Matt Schaefer, by the way, I happen to think is one of the good guys. Uh, he said the sword cuts both ways, and the government is just not efficient or effective in doing these sorts of things. Um, there's a guy named Mullins, though, and, and um, he's, he said, you know, whether you love him or, or hate him, Donald Trump gets economic development done. He said, look at his history. Donald Trump has always used public incentives his whole career to leverage deals. And he said, we just didn't have that when we lost Carrier. And even before Carrier's closure, Tyler, Texas, had experienced losing big manufacturing business because Goodyear uh, Tire and Rubber Company announced it was going to move production to China. Uh, Ed Moore, a Tyler City councilman and a 40-year Goodyear employee, said that he had accepted a retirement package from the company in hopes that the younger employees would get to keep their jobs. But just like the carrier plant, it wasn't enough to keep the company from leaving the city. If a company wants to pack up and go abroad, there's just not much you can do to stop them. And he said, on the other hand, Donald Trump's Indiana carrier deal was nothing more than a publicity stunt. Um, Well, he got his package. What does he care? But Tyler's economy has since rebounded since Carrier's departure. It wasn't easy, but uh, Train moved into the Carrier building, hired a lot of the employees that were previously employed by Carrier. And now Tyler depends mostly on its service industry and the medical sector and educational jobs in, uh, in the local colleges. Uh, Schaefer, Matt Schaefer doesn't think the incentives would have helped Tyler recover any faster. 
Uh, he's hopeful that Donald Trump is going to look at ways to cut the corporate income taxes before moving to incentives in the future. But the best thing for the U.S. is for Mexico to have a healthy economy. And when Mexico's economy does well, they'll be able to buy goods and services from the U.S. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen. But I do, do know this. If we build the wall, we stop the illegal drug cartels, and Donald Trump follows through with his plan to lower taxes, we are going to see a huge economic boom here in the United States, and that includes Texas. There's no question that if you lower taxes on businesses, that extra money they have does things. It goes places. It makes a difference. In the case of a small company like the one that I, I used to own, what it does is you take that extra money, you go out and you buy another truck. You put a couple of guys in that truck. You pay them a good wage, uh, usually uh, $15 to $30 an hour. And then those guys are generating an income. They're paying taxes. Of course, you've got to pay tax on that truck, too, or that van. You have to do all of those things. But this all adds to the economy in general. Also, I might spend more money on advertising, and that benefits the uh, radio and TV markets because we want to reach those new customers, especially those new customers who are just maybe moving into town for the first time. We want to reach those people and get their business. So there are all sorts of reasons why cutting taxes benefits the economy and causes a lot of things to happen, including preventing companies from moving out of state or out of country, even worse. The reason why most of these companies move out of state or out of country is because EPA, so many ridiculous regulations, the EPA has utterly destroyed the lead industry in the United States. There are no more lead manufacturing facilities in the United States. You could argue that that was an accidental byproduct, but I believe it was intentional because the government learned something from our Revolutionary War. And one of the things they learned from our Revolutionary War was that guns were not the problem when it came to fighting England. Ammunition was. And we didn't have any ammunition. It's a miracle that we actually won that war, considering all the things we had to deal with. So in the case of getting rid of the lead manufacturing plants, I think that was purely in order to get rid of the ammunition and make ammunition prohibitively expensive for the average person and uh, thus eliminate uh, our gun laws there. But they use the EPA to do that. They use the EPA to violate your Second Amendment rights. Why? Because the EPA is essentially an agency that's not accountable to anyone. It's not a constitutional organization. It doesn't aspire to live up to the uh, laws of the United States. So that's just one. OSHA, another one. Another job that's not accountable to anyone that comes down and places burdens upon men that they would not be able to live under themselves. Indeed, we have proven that most governmental agencies are in violation of the laws that they actually try to enforce. But in the case of the King Street Patriots, for instance, they came down here uh, when they started that group. And the lady that ran it, they went after her private company, the one that she and her husband ran. They brought in OSHA. They brought in the ATF. They brought in the IRS. They brought in uh, the EPA, all to try to shut them down because they were exercising their First Amendment rights. 
That's why I am encouraged. I believe that Donald Trump may indeed shut some of these things down himself or at least cause them to start acting within our best interest. On another topic, uh, I wanted to get some IRS forms. And so after having looked around online and realized that most of the places that offer IRS forms charge you for them, pretty good little racket they got going, I said, nah, no, no problem. I'll just do what I used to do. I'll go down there to the IRS on Smith Street here in Houston, and I'll go in there and get those forms. Well, of course, I walked in at first, and I had my weapon on, and then I seen the sign that says, no weapons, uh, even American citizens, taxpayers, uh, people that, uh, you know, formerly worked for the government. You're not allowed to carry a gun in here. So I went back in my car, which was $15 to park, by the way. Went back to my car, divested myself from my pistol and my magazines, walked back in, put all my stuff in the basket, took my belt off, you know, basically undressed there, and uh, tried to get back in again. This time uh, they kicked me out because I had a uh, little device on my keychain that's got a wire stripper and a wire cutter. And a short one-and-a-half-inch knife. Hey, you can't come in here with that, sir. You'll have, you'll have to either throw it away now or uh, or take it back to your car. Well, keep in mind, the closest parking is a block away. And I said, well, you know, it's already cost me $150 just to get down to this office. $15 to park. Okay, I'll go back out to the car. So I walk back out of the car. And, of course, it's freezing cold and it's raining because it's January here in Houston, and uh, I think it was, I don't know, it might have gotten up to 40 degrees. I know for some of you guys listening in the frozen Northland, uh, that's that's like summer to you. But So I walk back out to my car. I take my little $20 uh, Leatherman knife off of my keychain, and I decide, what the heck, I'll just leave all my keys here in the car. I'll just uh, bring in my ignition key so I can unlock my door when I leave. And uh, went back in. This time I got dinged because I had a little credit card knife in my wallet. That is one of those things that looks like a credit card, but you can break it apart, and it becomes uh, a little tiny uh, carbon fiber knife suitable for cutting open a paper box or an envelope or something, but not much else. So I had to take that back out to my car, divest myself of it. Meanwhile, I'm complaining vociferously to the Department of Homeland Insecurity guys who are running this operation. And so finally I come back in, and now I'm free and clear. I don't have my gun. I don't have my little one-and-a-half-inch uh, pen knife on my keychain. I don't have my credit card knife. I'm good to go. They let me in let me go up to the third floor, and I walk in, and all the document bins are empty. They don't have document one there at the IRS. And it was explained to me that uh, the shipment hadn't arrived yet, and they didn't know when they were going to get it. So all in all, I spent $300 worth of time going downtown in the frozen rain to achieve getting these forms so that I could comply with the IRS demands. And it was totally fruitless. So uh, I don't know why anyone would deal with this. I don't know why we still have an IRS. 
And, you know, me being the racist that I am, I couldn't help but notice that all of the employees were black. All of them. There wasn't a white guy anywhere to be found. Now, I'm thinking, shouldn't we have some quotas that require the government to hire proportionately uh, to the population of the United States? And if the United States is, say, 35, 40% black? Well, then three out of four, uh, you know, three out of, of ten people might, ought to be black. But what about a white guy? A white guy can't get a job down there, I guess, apparently. So, I just like I say, being a racist that I am, I just wanted to talk about, you know, the racism uh, that we find down there. Not a single white guy anywhere. And here I am, an American veteran, being treated like a common criminal. Absolutely irritating. So anyway, um, when we get back, I'm going to go to this break a little bit early because I want to cover this story on Islamic Jihad in America. So we're going to hit this break early, and I will be back, and we will talk Islamic Jihad. So join us there. Go ahead and pick it up, Frank, and I'll be right back. and you are really concerned about your legal jeopardy and the resulting media coverage, was deadly force justified? In your town, the politics of self-defense is not favorable, but at least you're alive and your family is protected. Fortunately, you have Self-Defense Fund, a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney cost per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call VitaScientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. 
Yeehaw Smoke Depot wishes you well. Locally owned and operated, we have all sorts of tobacco products. Come take advantage of our sale on vapor products up to 50% off. Thanks for listening to us on the Dot Green Show on ABRN, RER, Facebook, or YouTube. We are located at 1639 West Highway 290 in Fredericksburg. Like us on Facebook, Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg, Texas. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. And the doctor is in. Sorry, it took me a little bit longer on that break than I thought it would. Had to get out and get myself a new drink. So anyway, glad to have you all here back on the show, on the Doc Green Show. And uh wanted to talk about Islam here in Texas. We've sadly got just too much of it. I mean, it's really bad out there. And nobody's really talking about it, so I decided that I would... The um, We've got Islam everywhere that you look at. A new report by uh, a government watchdog agency says that jihadists are partnering now with the Mexican drug cartels along the U.S. border. And uh, by the way, this is fresh news. It's, uh, it's uh, less than 24 hours old. Judicial Watch, a, uh, a group that I greatly respect, uh, Judicial Watch cites confidential U.S. and Mexican law enforcement sources for the disturbing report, which builds on an earlier report shining a light on the jihadist exploitation of our poorest border. Now, we can always fault uh, none other than our uh, illustrious president, uh, who's soon to be looking for a job. We can always fault him 
for, uh, for the border situation. Sure we can. But the truth is, the real fault has to go to our own governor, Governor Greg Spine of Steel Abbott, who is spending almost one half of 1%, almost one half of 1% of our budget on border, border safety. Yeah, one half of 1%. That's how you can tell it's important to him, because if it wasn't important to him, he'd be spending less than one half of 1% of our budget on it. And now I can take a look at your checkbook, and I can tell what's important to you. And when I look in your checkbook, and I find that you spent one half of one percent of your entire monthly budget on an item, I can tell that that's really obviously important to you, right? <laughs> All right. So anyway, back to the back to the problem here. Confidential U.S. and Mexican law enforcement sources are examining this very disturbing report. Islamists recently arrived at the Monterey International Airport in Apodaca, a city in the Mexican state of Nuevo Leon, about 130 miles south of the Texas border. Well, that's certainly enough, uh, you know, enough of a buffer, 130 miles. You don't need to worry about that. An internal Mexican law enforcement report obtained by Judicial Watch confirms that Islamic terrorists have people along the border, principally in Tijuana, Chihuahua, and Coahuila, Nueva Leon, and Tamaulipas. Now, I have independently confirmed this because uh, my spies down there on the border had called this in some time ago and told me that they've got all of these Muslim men that appear to be coming in from Cuba and hanging out down there in Tamaulipas and Tijuana, and they're just irritating people because they're rude. It's obvious they feel superior. They don't speak the language. They don't care about the locals, and they're down there, you know, doing bad things and preparing for something. According to uh, my spies down on the border, it looks like they are now preparing to do an assault on our southern border. Could it happen? Well, I don't know, but it just doesn't look good. The, uh, they're, they're massing in Tijuana, Chihuahua, Coahuila, Nuevo Leon, and Tamaulipas. The U.S. intelligence sources have also warned that the, the impending defeat of ISIS in Iraq and Syria is going to lead to many of those jihadis leaving and coming to America. And they're going to do that by probably going in through Cuba, taking Cuba uh, routes over to Mexico, and then coming up on our southern border. Judicial Watch reported that ISIS has established a training camp just a few miles from El Paso, Texas, in an area known as Anapra, just west of Ciudad Juarez in the Mexican state of Chihuahua, home of those famous little dogs. So anyway... According to the report, cartel informants told law enforcement they are only waiting for the order to attack. They're looking for that order and the times to carry out simultaneous attacks on different ports of entry or cities in the United States. Now, there was an author that wrote a great book on this, and that was his theory. They would come up through Mexico they would be brought in by the drug cartels, and then they will go in and attack 
malls in the United States. The Mall of the Americas was one of the malls they were going to attack, according to this author. That book was written 20 years ago. Hmm. Drug cartels have been working with the Islamic terrorists, according to high-ranking Mexican police administrator, who told Judicial Watch that men from the Middle East come into the country regularly to do training with the jihadis. Judicial Watch sources include veteran law enforcement officials in the U.S. and Mexico, as well as longtime undercover informants who have worked for intelligence agencies in both countries. They are not being identified because they fear for their own safety for even passing on this information. What did Rusty tell you yesterday when we had him on the show? He said that a guy had taken pictures of this uh, buildup of military uh, armament on our southern border, and the cartel guys came to him and said, look, you can either give us your camera or your family. Because they didn't want those pictures getting out. You can either take silver or lead. Of course, that's usually offered up to the uh, uh, government officials on the southern border. Guys like uh, Joe down there, Joe Rodriguez down there in El Paso. He likes to use his Mexican name, Jose. But uh, Joe Rodriguez down there said, oh, man, there's no crime here. El Paso's wonderful. There's no crime here. You don't need to worry about anything. So uh, that's what he's trying to put across. Anyway, I think they're probably all on the take. But getting back to this story, one seasoned Mexican law enforcement official told Judicial Watch that a key cartel informant verified picking up various Middle Eastern men from evil groups. I assume that would be ISIS, at the Monterey Airport in just the last few days. Uh, He described the the informant as a very credible fellow, having worked for several government agencies in the U.S. Is the U.S. about to reap what it's been sowing? Let's, Let's face it, Barack Obama's been up there trying to destroy this country now for some period of time, and he's done a hell of a job. Yeah, he has. So we'll see what happens with this. But uh, a guy named John Guandolo, a former FBI counterterrorism specialist who now heads up the private consulting business Understanding the Threat, said the U.S. is about to reap the bitter fruit that it's been sowing under the last several administrations going all the way back to the Clintons, all of whom invited Muslim Brotherhood into their administrations to guide them, to instruct them on how Islam will take over America. Is there anybody out there listening to the sound of my voice that believes this is an accident, an accidental byproduct of just not paying attention? Or do you perhaps believe, as I do, that this has been a long and concerted effort to destroy the United States by the globalist. George Bush, 41 and 43, both globalist. They want to see that one world government. And then you got the Clintons and you got the Obamas. I, I hope the stake has been firmly driven through their hearts, but I don't know that it has been. But these guys are absolute in a line 
with the jihadis to destroy America. They're absolutely part of it. The Muslim Brotherhood goes all the way to the president himself, Barack Hussein Obama, a Muslim, a foreign agent in the employ of a foreign power, placed in that office to destroy this country. Guandolo, John, John Guandolo, said that the U.S. is going to reap what has been sowing by bringing the Muslim Brotherhood into the White House as a policy player. He said, as a result, all references to Islam that are deemed offensive to Muslims have been scrubbed from the FBI training manuals. I know that to be true. And uh, Muslim Brotherhood entities like CARE have been providing our government with advice on how to deal with terrorism. New terror cells are here. They're ready to strike And this is a documented fact. We know for a fact that we have a Muslim training camp uh, down close to Lake Jackson, uh, southwest of Houston. We know that there was a guy that was killed down there, and when they tried to investigate it, the whole thing was hushed up. This is a symptom of a bigger ongoing problem. The catastrophic failure of U.S. officials to identify this threat and to deal with it. But not only have they not identified the threat, Barack and St. Obama and his predecessors have invited that very threat into the government itself. We will not associate terrorism with Islam as part of our national security directives. Overall strategy is Islamic organizations, mosques, enclaves, and communities continue to serve as sport networks and training sites and safe havens for jihadis across the United States, and yes, right here in Texas. And let's see if I can pull this up. We have utterly failed to identify... We have utterly failed to identify these guys for who they are and what they are here intending to do. What is this? I read this the other day and I said, wow, that's really amazing. That's really incredible. And it's uh, the snake lyric. On her way to work one morning, down the path along the lake, a tender hearted woman saw a poor, half frozen snake. Take me in, O oh tender woman. Take me in, for heaven's sake. Take me in, O tender woman. Sighed the vicious snake. It's happening. Now she clutched him to her bosom. You're so beautiful, she cried. But if I hadn't brought you in... By now, you might have died. She stroked his pretty skin, and then she kissed and held him tight. But instead of saying thank you, that snake gave her a vicious bite.
happened in Belgium, what has happened in France, is going to be happening here soon, unless we can get a handle on this. Because our elected officials are the enemy. The only thing we can hope for, the only thing we can pray for, is that somehow Donald Trump is able to prevail. Because Donald Trump knows the secret of what's been taking place. And yet no one saved you, Christ listens. And you've bit me, heavens why. You know your bite is poisonous, and now I'm going to die. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said the reptile with a grin. You knew damn well I was a snake before you took me in. Sure words, never spoken. Thank you, Donald Trump. Islamic leaders are taking over the United States, and we're not doing anything about it. Yes, right here in Texas, because we refuse to associate Islam with terrorism. And I had my good friend in here the other day, Dave, and Dave and I were talking about this, and even Dave refused to accept. He was so afraid, he refused to accept the idea that all Muslims are dangerous. Why? Why would he refuse to accept that? Because he has been conditioned. He has been indoctrinated. He has been taught that, no, 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 most Muslims are good people. That's what he has been taught, my friends. That's what you have been taught. So even Dave, he said, well, don't you believe in freedom of religion? Aren't you a constitutionalist? Well, yes, I am a constitutionalist. But Muslim, Muslims are not acceptable. Muslims are repugnant to the Constitution. It barely even qualifies as a religion. So Islamic leaders have gotten the federal government to bear down on local and state governments and law enforcement to let the FBI handle all the counterterrorism investigations, and then they strip the FBI of any factual understanding of the real threat that is tying their hands so they are not allowed to be aggressive in any case. Philip Haney, a retired Homeland Security officer who co-authored the whistleblower book, See Something, Say Nothing, said the global Islamic movement led by the extremist Muslim Brotherhood is anticipating they will encounter a far less friendly regime in Washington, and they are now filing some of their most militant assets into place. They are laying the groundwork to the new administration, the Trump administration. And what is the response going to be? They're going to attack, Haney said. Like we're seeing around the world, generated from the same sort of activity that we're seeing here. This is the turning point of the Muslim community in North America because they're now being upgraded in their understanding and their expectation of what they must do if they're going to be considered devout, observant Muslims. Frank pointed out that any Muslim that assimilates into Western culture in a peaceful way are considered not Muslims and themselves will be killed by good Muslims. A good Muslim understands that every Jew must die 
A good Muslim understands the importance of killing the infidel. A good Muslim understands that you must eradicate all bad Muslims. Because in the end, there can be only one. And in the end, you're going to have two Muslim imams standing there looking at each other with a dagger in their hand, with a squinty-eyed look saying, I'm a pretty good Muslim, but I don't know about you. That's what you're going to have in the end. In the end, there can be only one. That's why every time there's a Muslim uh, event, a Muslim wedding, and it's a Shia or a Sunni that's getting married, then the other side goes and attacks that wedding and kills as many people as they possibly can. And then they wait for the funeral. And then they all show up again at the funeral and kill the rest of them. That is the Muslim way. All Muslims are subject to that code of conduct. All Muslims, even the bad ones, eventually will get there. Now, right here in the United States, yeah, just like bad Christians. We got bad Christians, you know. Yeah, here, here in the United States, we got bad Christians. They're SMOs, Sunday morning only, or maybe, uh, maybe they're just CEOs, Christmas and Easter. That would constitute a bad Christian, necessarily, according to the Word of God, because they've forsaken the assembly of themselves together, as is the manner of some. And I'm quoting Scripture there. So they show up occasionally at church. They give some lip service to the fact that there is a God and that uh, his, uh, his son is Jesus, without truly understanding that Jesus is the incarnate God himself, because there is only one God. There are not three gods. There's not the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, the name of the Father is Jesus, according to the Bible. I come in my Father's name. That's what Jesus said. And if his name was Jesus, then his Father's name must be Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus, because Jesus said, the Comforter that I will send in my name. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, all one God. Father in creation, Son in redemption, Holy Spirit in regeneration. Same God, one God. But there are bad Christians that don't, I mean, yes, they, they believe there is one God, but they don't actually spend any time in their church. They don't necessarily give any money to the church. They don't necessarily show up to help paint the church or to help do maintenance on the church or, or to go out and build the new church. They don't do that. Well, in Islam, it's the same thing. you got a lot of bad Muslims. And these are Muslims that absolutely would not go to the trouble to cut your head off. But during Ramadan, the equivalent of Eastern in Muslim circles, they will give large sums of money to their church to demonstrate the fact they are indeed Muslims, knowing full well that money is going to go to the killing of the infidel. They buy billboards here in Houston to encourage the bad Muslims to give extra during Ramadan. They are laying the groundwork. John Guandalo said that the U.S. Department of Justice has been the most ardent supporter of the Islamic movement in America. That's why I call them the Department of Injustice. 
They have aggressively gone on the offensive, suing any jurisdiction that takes any kind of a proactive measure to uh, reduce the Islamic threat here in America at a local level. They have weakened law enforcement's ability to do anything to stop Muslims from destroying you. The Department of Injustice has pushed the Muslim Brotherhood organizations into local jurisdictions to do training for state and local law enforcement agencies sponsored by the U.S. Attorney's Offices. They're exploiting every gap in our defense. John Guandalo said the terrorists use Grand Canyon-sized gaps in our security apparatus in order to develop their roots to bring the Islamic terrorists into the United States, to improve their methods, to set up locations by which they can move men, material, and equipment in preparation for what can only be considered a zero-hour attack. Evidence of this was entered into the court record during the largest terrorism financing trial ever successfully prosecuted in American history, and that was the Holy Land Foundation trial in Dallas back in 07-08, just at the beginning of our Muslim presidency. Not good, guys. Well, I missed that phone call. We'll try to try to get it here in a minute. We're going to be having Wilbur Witt coming in at the top of the hour. You're going to enjoy that. Anyway, it's nothing less than a concerted and incremental effort by the heads of key agencies of the United States Department of Homeland and Security, the FBI, the CIA, the White House, and the president himself to make America tragically vulnerable to our enemies. This is treason and nothing less. Make no mistake about it. Former Congresswoman and great patriot Michelle Bachman said that Barack Obama's national security team has either known or certainly should have known about the existence of Islamic terror cells on U.S. soil along the border and yet willingly allowed them to use the United States as a safe haven. I assure you, my friends, he knew. It was not an accident. It's not an accident. He's doing it on purpose. To think that President Obama would fail to destroy every vestige of the United States-based Islamic terror cells is both jaw-dropping and unthinkable, especially in light of the numerous U.S.-based Islamic terror attacks that have already occurred here in the United States on his watch. Terrorism is way up. And these guys are smart. When they come to Texas, where do they go? Do they, go to go they go to a gun-free zone. They go to a, a military base, Fort Hood, where they know the soldiers are not allowed to be armed. And they go up there, and they shoot up the place, and they kill a bunch of American soldiers. And Barack Obama loves it. He's smiling. He's laughing. I promise you he is. And don't forget the perpetrator of that event is still sucking up Texas air. The perpetrator of that event is still sucking up government money. I think they might have finally cut off his military paycheck, but they allowed him to continue to collect his military paycheck as an officer 
for another two years after he killed all of those Americans. Well, now Donald Trump is going to have to deal with all the failures of Barack Obama. Is he up to the task? I think perhaps more than anyone else in recent times. What do, what do I see when I look? Well, what I see when I look in, into Donald Trump is I see a man with the courage of his convictions. I see a man that absolutely came in there to fix these problems and to restore America. That's what I see. Well, we don't have any other choice. We either root out Islam in America or we are going to die. Yes, that mosque down the street from your house has to be utterly destroyed. It's got to be removed. I hope that no one decides to don a burqa, though, and go to that uh, and go to that mosque down there, and maybe tie bacon around the handle, or pour pig blood on the doorstep. I hope nothing like that happens because if somebody did that in a burqa, there'd be no way to know who they are, whether they're a man or a woman. I guess you could look at the relative height. But once again, you don't know if they're wearing uh, high heels or elevated shoes under there. You really don't know who these people are that might dress up in a burqa that is an Islamic-approved dress and, uh, and be totally invisible. God, I hope nobody does that here in the United States. I hope it doesn't get to be like Sweden where they're uh, burning down these mosques and the police can't seem to find any, uh, you know, any kind of evidence. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope no former member of the uh, Women's National Basketball Association uh, that's like six foot six would put on one of these burkas, maybe even wear high heels at that, and uh, go to one of these mosques and and do some sort of of uh, thing there, wearing a burqa, where you couldn't even tell whether it was a man or a woman. You know, you couldn't even tell. I'd be. It, I hope none of that happens. On the other hand, I do think it's time that we get rid of these mosques in America. I think it's time that we make our uh, Muslim uh, neighbors uncomfortable to be here in the United States. You know, I think like ClockMed up there in, uh, in Irving, Texas, you know, forced that family to be so uncomfortable they had to move to Cutter. Of course, now poor little ClockMed's just depressed over there because he discovered that living in an Islamic society is not as much fun as his father told him it would be. In fact, he's discovered a, a horrible thing. Anyway, we're going to hit this break. Be right back on the Doc Green Show. maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. 
And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BD, AC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E, AC and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor. It's realistic. It's hygienic. It's affordable. And there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and needed to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with cut floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It's, it's really nice. We actually have a mobile showroom, so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you, and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call, and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot, and it's all free of charge. Pet Floor of Houston. PetFloor.com. doctor in, but uh, Wilbur Witt is in. Good afternoon, Wilbur Witt. Good afternoon, Doc and Texas Patriots. So good to be here. Thank you so much. Well, glad to have you on here. Now, Wilbur Witt's just a simple old boy from Austin, but he's usually got a few pearls of wisdom, and uh, he's going to be a regular guest on the show now on Fridays because uh, I like I like what you got to say, and uh, and I like how you look at things. So uh, what, what do you got going on today in Wilbur Whitland? Well, I'm listening to your monologue uh, about the Muslim community, and uh, it fed into pretty much what I've been doing the last few days. Uh, I got involved with an organization uh, that uh, started out as a good organization, and it ended up uh, doing something I call fear-mongering. And it distracts people, or distracted a lot of people, on the East Coast especially, uh, a bunch of little old ladies uh, that would ask me questions, call me constantly, and they were, they were sincere that truly believed that Hillary was going to overturn the election, George Soros was going to buy enough people to destroy every city in the nation, <clears throat> we were going to have a civil war because of Black Lives Mattering all over the place. Yeah. And uh, I started doing a, a series of uh, shows, I'm going to do another one at 3 o'clock today, 
trying to explain to these people, like I said yesterday, I said, you people said, in Pennsylvania, you wrote the Constitution. Did you bother to read it? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. We want, to secede from, we want to secede from the country, and we're not going to write a Constitution. We're just going to borrow yours because you're not using it right now. Yeah. Yeah. They actually believed, they had these people believing that Hillary was going to sneak in to the room where the ballots for the Electoral College was and erase the results and place their own results on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, patiently trying to explain them the way it works and all that. But the main thing is, after listening to your monologue, I saw another level, another layer. While people are being uh, distracted, they're not watching the real threat, which is the Islamic community. And nobody but people like us are, are telling these people that this is a problem. This is a problem. And I keep telling these, these poor Nortes, and look, just had a shooting in Fort Lauderdale. I, dollar to a donut, it's a Muslim. I don't yeah. even know. I just saw the story. Dollar to a donut, it's probably a Muslim. Looks like do it. something like, yeah. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Esteban something? Uh, oh, there you go. There you go. You know, uh, it's never Charlie Hicks, you know. No. <laughs> it's never him. Oh, but they always <laughs> wanted to be, though. They always wanted oh, yeah. to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they, uh, uh, they got that nonsense going on, uh, and I, I told like I told one lady out in uh, North Carolina, I said, "Look, you've got to get a Texas attitude." Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, we had an art contest down here, <laughs> and a couple of ISIS, yeah, a couple of ISIS drove all the way from Arizona to shoot everybody in the building for drawing Mohammed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're dead. <laughs> and they're dead. <laughs> and they're dead. And we added an extra, a little extra bonus. A Muslim must be buried before sunset. Uh, you know, so according to the Islamic tradition, and they didn't exactly get buried before sunset. So we not only shot them, we sent them to Muslim hell. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And and uh, what was interesting to me about that, Weber, was we we had to import some Muslims to do that. They couldn't even find any uh, Texas Muslims that wanted to go up there and go to war because they knew that in Texas, in a, uh, since it wasn't a gun-free zone. They they knew in Texas that uh, it wasn't going to end well for whoever decided to go up and shoot that place up. Well, and you know what's really funny? Yeah, uh, 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 Miss Geller had arranged for uh, private security to hire, I think, off-duty SWAT people mm-hmm. because of it. A beat cop eating a donut killed him. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that that at least that's the way it was portrayed. But I actually had one of one of my other uh, more clandestine guys, uh-huh. and he said that was the official story, but that was not the case. Uh, he indicated uh, to me that some pros were involved in taking these guys down, ooh, and they let the yeah, local cops good. take the credit for it because they didn't that's want good. to know that they were involved. That's good. Well, you know, when George and Arn shot up Luby's down here. Uh, mm-hmm. The official movie version, uh, after he shot all those people, he went into the, the restroom, and the officers followed him in, and in his moment of grief, he shot himself through the palm of his hand and the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that's a suicide. Yes, indeed. That's the guy who wants to kill himself real bad. I'm telling but, you. Uh, what, what's got me on this uh, on the thing I was on this last week, I got involved with this group, and I think you know the group I'm talking about. And I was all gun ho, but I started watching the videos, and it was all fear mongering. Yeah. Just uh, uh, terrible things are going to happen, and the country's going to fall apart. No solutions, just fear mongering. And it had all these old people just uh, torn up. So I just started telling the truth. 
not going to happen. It was Terry out said, we're going to, they said we're going to have a civil war before, before the inauguration, and Obama's going to declare martial law, and they barricade himself in the White House. It's not going to happen, Terry. <laughs> Actually, that Terry, would be kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> you're from Carolina. Yeah, you're from Carolina. Oh, Here's man. how you get a civil war. You get a civil war by a whole section of the country pulling out, shooting up, loading up, and jumping on the other guy. Then you got a civil war. Indeed. So, Black Lives Matter. Yes, and I'll tell you a little interesting historical point. Texas was never invaded, invaded during the Civil War. They waited until after the Civil War, and then they disarmed us in 1872, and they were still scared to death we were going to pull out of country. <laughs> well, it's not too late for that, Wilbur. I don't know. Well, I've explained this uh, to my audience uh, many times. I said the Texas, Texas independence movement has many layers. There are the super-civilized ones that are filing suits in The Hague mm-hmm. to enforce the Treaty of Arkansas. And then we got a few guys that want to spring a barbed wire fence around the state and shoot every Yankee that tries to get over. So we got, got to find a happy middle ground. Indeed. Uh, like, these people went over the top. But the, the real problem in this country is indeed the Muslims. And Mr. Trump is their worst nightmare. Well, that's what, that's what I think. I mean, and that's why I did that monologue. I want people to realize that Muslims... I mean, there, there are no, quote, good Muslims when it comes to our security, because everything that Islam believes is counter to the the American Constitution. It's counter to a representative republic or even a democracy. And, right. and you've got to know that. Once you understand that Islam is counter to everything that, that, uh, that civilization is, it makes it a lot easier for you to deal with it. Well, you've got to understand their philosophy. My sons, two of my sons have been over there many times. And Wilbur, uh, Chief Petty Officer, Master Chief Witt, he told me the Muslim mind does not want democracy. They want a strong man at the top calling the shots. That's what they want. They don't believe in our way of life. They don't uh, understand our way of life. As long as somebody's running the country with an iron hand and they can sell their rugs, that's all they want in life. Well, yeah, they, um, they want a daddy so that they can spend the rest of their time uh, uh, copulating with goats or, or whatever's available yeah. to them. <laughs> <laughs> and the goats are nervous. Yeah, they indeed are. <laughs> hey, hey, well, if you don't mind, Tommy Attaway has called in here. I want to bring him in. Tommy, uh, you, what's going on with you today? Well, I thought I would address one of the points raised by Dave with the idea of freedom of religion in the Constitution. Yes. Okay, um, as Jefferson pointed out, the First Amendment applies only to the federal government, and so there was nothing at the time prohibiting the states from establishing official religions, and many of them did so. That would be the first point. Yeah. Next point would be we've already run across this before in the 1840s, 1850s, dealing with Mormonism. Uh-huh. And the issue there was polygamy. Yes, of course. I got more Bible for polygamy than I do have for uh, singular marriage. <laughs> yeah. But that aside. <laughs> that, that aside, you know, what we, we've come to is, you know, if we're going to, to look at where we realistically are, we have come to the conclusion that there would be some acceptable limits 
on religious practices that can be conducted in the United States. For example, the Native Americans you know, use various um, substances as part of their cultural heritage. You could uh, have Hindus who might still believe in burning widows after the, the death of the husband. Uh, you know, we have said that, okay, there are some religious practices that we won't allow for various reasons. And so, okay, if, now if Dave wants to, to join with me and eliminating all of those restrictions on any other religion, I can see his point. Otherwise, uh, we have the, the question to ask ourselves, to what extent is Islam a religion as opposed to a cult? Yes, or a political system. Or a political system. Uh, and, you know, I think we have more evidence toward it's a cultish behavior. Islam itself, Middle Eastern countries, have no concept of the idea of a separation between political activity and religious activity. So there isn't anything that they can relate to in terms of our culture and our way of living. And that's what makes them generally incompatible with the American way of life. There you have it. So that is a very good point, Tommy. Very good point. Talking with Tommy Attaway and Wilbur Witt, a simple old boy from Austin and a, a former Army captain. Uh, so, yeah, you guys have, uh, have brought a couple of things to the table here. And, and uh, Tommy, quite frankly, I had not even thought of the argument that you just brought up. So, uh, we, well, yeah, I, had, I, had, I had a talk with a, uh, a person in Utah when I was up there. And I brought up uh, the subject politically because they all we all joke about it. I mean, when you're in a Walmart parking lot, you see a guy my age get out with three twenty-year-old girls and seventeen kids. You know, you right away start doing the math. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I told him, I said, you know, I uh, side with you guys on some things, and that's one of the things I side with. He said, "How so?" I said, "Well, in order to become a state, you had to give up part of your religious practice." Okay. Well, if that's true, but the prophet said we shouldn't do it. It was wrong. You give me all the reasons. I'll be like, here's the deal. In a country where a man can marry a man, why can't you have your practice? And, and you're, 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 I mean, you're. What, is a, what is a man marrying a man going to produce? The, the guy with the three 20-year-old wives at least is making kids, and families. Pay, and paying taxes, and they're Lots not on the them. dole. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, my my wife watches this thing called Sister Wives on TV, and it's about a uh, Muslim, mm -hmm. excuse me, not a Muslim, but a Mormon uh, polygamist. And, and mm -hmm. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, why are they going after this guy? This guy is a hardworking guy. His wives all have jobs. They pay taxes. Why don't they go after all the baby daddies down there in the hood? You know, all those well, Mac daddies that got 25 kids with 12 different women. Why don't they go after right. that? Well, you know what's funny, Doc? Uh, one of the one of the undercurrents of my uh, famous little CPS case in 2010 was they figured out in their little minds, since my my wife Pamela was from a Mormon family, and Jacqueline herself was LDS at one time, that she simply must be my sister wife, and those are all my kids. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and Jackie, being the card that she is, let them run with it. <laughs> hey, that's good. That's good for a couple million hits on YouTube, Dad. What? Oh man! <laughs> oh God! Um, no, this whole gold thing about the religion thing. Tommy made an excellent point. 
and the Middle Eastern mind, they do not separate political action from religious action. They, they're not capable of doing it. Well, there, there you have it. So, uh, Tommy, I mean, would you agree with me that we have to flush Islam out of American society because it is generally incompatible with uh, the Constitution of the United States and with a representative republic? Yes, I do. And, of course, if we were following the Constitution, the states could perfectly well do that. Uh, you know, the who gets to be admitted into the country is a decision of the state. And one of the things that Rawl makes in his book on the Constitution, which is published in the 1820s, is just because one state lets you in doesn't mean that you then have a right to immigrate to another state. Here, here. Because he said if that were the case, then it would serve to render one state superior to another state because it could then impose its laws on another state. Well, well, what, ha what happened, too, uh, I, said, I pointed this out in one of my live feeds about Texas secession. I said, we in Texas are trying to give your country back. You have a right to run your own business. I don't know anything about growing tobacco in North Carolina, and you people don't know anything about drilling for oil and raising cattle. We can't impose our will on you, and you shouldn't try to impose your will on us. Works for me. Because we're supposed to be all a bunch of dumb rednecks down here. You know, but, uh, <laughs> well, well, no, I, th I think we've covered it, covered it pretty well. I mean, uh, there's no question that Islam is a problem for America. And if you, t if you like what you see in Germany, if you like what you see in France, if you like what you see in Belgium where they declared one of their own lawmakers uh, guilty of a hate crime, uh, that, that would be uh, Geert Wilder. Uh, if you like that, it's coming here, folks, if we don't stop Islam. Well, we've got out. It's a difficult thing, and it's going to take an intellect like Tommy's to, you know, come up with a solution. But there's a lot of the people down here. Well, I think the the incident in Garland was indicative of how we will handle it, and that's another reason. You know, I talk about the sphere thing. I told someone yesterday on the air. I said, "Look, you're up there in California talking this nonsense, trying to make people afraid. What are you going to do? You're going to throw oranges at each other. You come down to Texas, and it's a whole different mindset." You know, we will go to a shooting war in a heartbeat. So we've got to be, we're a little more moderate down here than we would normally be. A little more moderate. A little too moderate, a little too moderate if you ask me. Uh, and on the other hand, Tommy just wrote this fabulous new book. Uh, well, I don't know if you had a chance to read it yet, but he wrote We Defy, and the sequel has just hit. And I bought it on Kindle. I have not had a chance to start reading it yet, but I've I got to read some of the uh early uh, notes on it. It's a fabulous book. Uh, Tommy actually has a way of dealing with this Muslim problem in Texas. Uh, you care to uh, elaborate on that just a little bit, Tommy, without giving away any of the, the book plot line? Uh, they're expelled. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> to quote George W. Bush, go on, get out of here. <laughs> well, Texas has a history. I tell people all the time, you've got to watch us because we are the ones that will back up in an old church and shoot at you. We've done it twice now. Yep. This was at the Alamo, and the other one, a little old 
pimply faced preacher up in Waco. They got him, but it took him 50 days and he took a field with him. And I don't care what he was, his background or anything, that whole thing was what part of don't step on my land do you not understand? Well, indeed, if anything, that was, uh, that was proof that we needed to secede from the United States. Right there. Right there. There was no reason for that. Um, the man went jogging practically every day. He could have been, if he was done a crime, he could have been arrested for jogging, going to the dentist, going to HEB. There's no reason to kill all those kids in there, you know, for that. None whatsoever, no. And they, they could have fixed that. Uh, but uh, that was also a violation of the law because uh, technically, as, as my understanding of the Constitution, the feds have to check in with the sheriff and get the sheriff's permission to operate before they can uh, run any sort of an operation in the county. What are your thoughts on that, uh, Tommy Attaway? Uh, actually, that isn't there because if we go back to what the federal government's supposed to be doing, they wouldn't be doing any law enforcement activity in a state anyhow. Well, that's right. true. But if they're going to enforce the law, this is one of my my arguments with with Dwayne Stovall as to you know why the Bill of Rights only applies to the federal government or not, and it's like, well, who is it designed to protect? It's supposed to keep the Cutter Revenue Service from sailing a swoop up Main Street and dragging you out of your house because you bought something that didn't have customs duties paid on it. Yeah, well, yeah, elucidate on that and why that you know why that is. Though I think that we're already there now uh, with the IRS uh, overstepping its bounds. Well, you know, if the founders knew that we were going to have an FBI and an IRS and an ATF and EPA and everything else under the sun, they would have just written down, no, you can't do that. They never anticipated that we would have all of these unconstitutional uh, law enforcement agencies operating under the, what, general welfare clause of the Constitution? Yeah, they assumed that the people or the states would put a stop to that post-haste, and it never would have gotten as far as it's gotten. But the people got lazy. They fell asleep. They did, and then, of course, during the Great Depression, people are afraid. And here comes Franklin Roosevelt with chicken in every pot, and we're going to take care of you. And, you know, we're, if you're old, we're, we're going to give you a pension. And everybody says, oh, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll give up my freedom for that. Yeah, I want the free stuff. Give me the free stuff. I don't need a lot. It's, I just want enough to live on. It destroys, um, like what Tommy and I both do, we, we've discussed this on the Capitol Steps. Uh, we write books and try to sell books. Uh, all my life, except for maybe two incidences where I took a regular job to get health insurance for my family, I either sold the record, <clears throat> sold the donut, or I sold the book. And then I got money for it. Period. Uh, Jackie, my daughter in law, she grew up in that environment with her father in Nashville. He had to make a successful record, or they simply didn't eat. These kids these days, <clears throat> all those kids out demonstrating right after the election of Mr. Trump. I think it says 70% of them did not even vote. They truly believe that their actions in the street would overturn the election and overturn the country. And what alarmed me was these people that, that follow me now are mainly in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and they believe it's possible. They truly believe that a man like George Soros can buy an election. Hillary can sneak into a room and erase election results. And, and, and the Russians happen. Uh, 
do people honestly believe that we don't hack Russia? <laughs> if I was Mr. Trump, if I was Mr. Trump, he had a high level uh, briefing today about the security and the CIA and everything. I would ask him one question: For all of your BS, you got hacked by the Russians, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <Russia>. <laughs> the, the people that can't build hypodermic needles yet, you got hacked by them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this this speaks to change in about fourteen days. Yeah, I see. Uh, I was just looking in the chat room over here. I got Julie and Jay in the chat room. And, of course, uh, Jay reminded us. I uh, said, you know how I feel about the militia. And uh, this is one of the areas where if the militia was more effective, we probably wouldn't have some of these problems. Uh, your thoughts on that, Tommy Attaway? Of course, this is, was the intentions of the Militia Act of 1903 and creating the National Guard. Because what you now have is you have the only organized militia units are run by the federal government. And, of course, they tell the states, well, you know, you can use it if we don't have anything for them to do at the time, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, but even Alexander Hamilton, who's considered the archetypical federalist and nationalist during the debates, wrote, and he was perfectly reasonable with the idea that Militias are a local unit, and militias will take care of a lot of these things. And he admitted that even the states could only use the militia for certain circumstances under their state constitutions. Otherwise, they're entirely a local entity, and they are there to keep the peace in the community. And that includes keeping the peace from the government. As it should be. Well, you know, Doc, you brought up the, the Mormons a while ago. What got Joseph Smith killed? One of the things that was implicit in his his uh, death, he had uh, I think the town of Naboo, about Kirkland, I think it's Naboo, yeah, and he actually had a militia that was larger than the state armed forces in Illinois, larger, and his his logic was, I run this town, you don't run this town. These are my men, my militia. We won't get burned out again. We will defend our property. And then that one thing led to another, and then he got himself shot. But uh, that, that uh, I was going to ask Tommy, before he, uh, what legal status do our militias have? What can we do if we uh, have uh, a riot in Colleen and we call up the militia? What can they legally do, Tommy? All right, uh, let's go in two directions. One is current federal law, and the other will be current Texas state law. Under federal law, the only organized military units that can exist have to belong to either the National Guard or a federal authorized state defense force, of which in Texas that means the Texas State Guard. And to show how the Constitution has been turned on its head, the reasoning that they give for this in federal law is because the Constitution says no state can keep troops in time of peace. So the federals authorities now consider having a militia to be keeping troops rather than its intent as written and understood which is an active duty military force that was to be solely the province of the federal government okay so that's all messed up now we look at the laws of the state of texas where every able-bodied resident between the ages of 18 and 60 is liable to perform military service in the Texas Reserve Militia, which under current state law consists of whatever units the governor deems 
advisable to create. The county emergency board, which consists of the county sheriff, the county judge, and the tax assessor collector, can, if they think it is necessary, call on the state military forces in order to keep public order and peace. Of course, the problem is that there really isn't any organized state military force other than the Texas State Guard, which is unarmed. And so now we're in a complete mess because, okay, there is no organized repository of armed citizens that are available to assist in any type of emergency. And that's what needs to be fixed. Yeah, that's, uh, I've wondered myself, um, with the militias, I mean, if they formed in an emergency and they went and they did things, would they be held criminally liable or do they have some kind of uh, legal authority? Like if people are rioting, they have legal authority to tell them, go home or else, you know? And then here, and another thing about that that hurts me about the federal government, and I tell people this all the time, I don't know why we're paying the electric bill at the Capitol in Austin. Because anytime we pass a law, if the feds don't like it, they just go over it. Now, uh, who's that gentleman Doc at Camp Lone Star? He broke no Texas law, and he's in prison. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that would be uh, Casey Massey. That's right. He was legally carrying a weapon, which he could do after five years after serving his sentences, more than, way more than that. And they got him on the federal law, you know, uh, and they sent him to prison, and he had to broke no Texas law. So, in other words, the, the congressman that passed that law in Austin, they might as well just went and had lunch because it didn't, it didn't hold water. Because they, they got one of our citizens. Well, I have to agree with that. Hey, guys, we've got to hit a break. Going to be right back. If you want to stick around for a few more minutes on the Doc Green Show. And uh, i got to say hello to Matt Carlson there in the chat room, in addition to Julie Stearns and Jay. Uh, be right back on the Doc Green Show. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210 
520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. You just defended yourself with a gun. There were multiple assailants, and you were really concerned about your legal jeopardy and the resulting media coverage. Was deadly force justified? In your town, the politics of self-defense is not favorable, but at least you're alive and your family is protected. Fortunately, you have Self-Defense Fund, a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney cost per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. Smoke Depot wishes you well. Locally owned and operated, we have all sorts of tobacco products. Come take advantage of our sale on vapor products up to 50% off. Thanks for listening to us on the Dot Green Show on ABRN, RER, Facebook, or YouTube. We are located at 1639 West Highway 290 in Fredericksburg. Like us on Facebook, Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg, Texas. The doctor is in, Doc Green, Reggie Gallopin's Radio and America Voice Radio. And I believe we still have on the newsmaker line, we have uh, Wilbur Witt and we got uh, Tommy Attaway out of Dallas. So uh, welcome you guys back. Yes, to the Good to be here. Good to be here. So one of the questions, uh, and I've seen in the chat room that uh, Jay uh, had brought up, um, you know, uh, going back to the Muslim problem that we're dealing with, why do we not get our militias out of mothballs and uh, and make a stand on this? I, I know that they've already slapped us down one time, like they did with Casey Massey, but uh, maybe this is kind of like the open carry movement where we used to get arrested for carrying black powder pistols, and now we don't. Tell me your thoughts. Clearly what we need to do is revitalize the militia movement, and one of the reasons why I write what I do is to try to get our fellow citizens to rediscover their heritage. And part of that heritage is that we believe in an armed citizenry that takes care of business on its own. That's true. You know, my family uh, came to Texas in 1872, my ancestor Silas Witt fought with General Sam. He fought with Andrew Jackson. His kids fought in the Civil War on the wrong side and everything. <laughs> they uprooted, yeah, they uprooted from Alabama, and 150 wagon loads of Witts came and settled the town of Moody, Texas. 
and they're, they're buried up there. You go look at the graves right now. But we have a long tradition of military service, and that's the reason that grand, 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 whatever, fellas came here, was they were tired of the carpetbaggers running their business. They took it for seven years, and it wouldn't take it anymore. And, of course, I'm married a wit, so uh, yeah. we're related somewhere, Wilbur. We're out of you. We're, we've got to be. <laughs> <laughs> one of these days, one of us needs to, uh, I guess, invest in that family tree thing, whatever it is, and, and find out where that where that tree divided. But anyway, I would like to see the militia movement become uh, more secure and, and uh, more respected here in Texas. Of course, that's why you guys should read those uh, books, We Defy and Independence, which is just now hit Amazon.com. And you can go to the Raging Elephants Radio Marketplace, click on the Amazon link, and you can buy it there. Uh, meanwhile, uh, while we're talking on the subject, I don't know if you guys have heard, but uh, the BBC has come out with a new TV show on Islam. And it's fabulous. It's called Real Housewives of ISIS. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. So, uh, have, have either of you heard of this before today? No, no, it's good, though. <laughs> well, I get BBC on DirecTV. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, my company sells DirecTV. So if you want to get DirecTV, call the doc, okay? I want, I want your biz. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the BBC's got this new show referred to, quote, as revolting <laughs> TV comedy, Real Housewives of ISIS. And the first show aired this week where one wife of a militant fighter in Syria said, well, it's only three days of the beheading, and I've got no idea what to wear. <laughs> I, have a Go ahead. I have a friend uh, that distributes my stuff in uh, England called Peter Eckers. Uh, he's a very proper English gentleman and everything. <laughs> Until he gets talking about the Muslims and ISIS and the He's not very proper then. None of it's arable on your show, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, he has a real-world uh, idea of what Islam is. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, I don't know what he did in his life. He ended up on BBC as a commentator. But every time a war started in the Middle East or in Africa, he seemed to always be there. See, I think, I've seen a picture of him, Doctor. He looks like James Bond. An oh, older really? James Bond. Yeah, yeah, he really does. That's yeah, really cool. Sitting out on her patio. I'm sitting out on a patio in London having his tea you know, on, on the main street and smoking a cigarette. He looks just like he's going to say, that's a P-38 and you've had your six. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to play a clip from the show, but it's already been taken down. Uh, oh, but one of, the, one of the women says, uh, you know, it's so hard. I've been, I've been widowed five times. The other woman says with a sigh, and then she hears the explosion, and she says six times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. All of her husbands, oh. all of her husbands are homicide bombers. Anyway, the women dressed in in hijab speak with clear English accents and compare their looks in suicide vest while posting pictures online, and then argue over the fact that their attire clashes because two women walk into the room at the same time wearing the exact same bomb vest. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, oh, yes, there will always be in England as long as that continues. Well, yeah, it's rather irreverent English humor. I'm absolutely excited about it. Another woman says, uh, you're going to need a lot of Semtex to kill that one <laughs> while she scrubs the floor. Um, 
I don't know. I, th- I think it's freaking awesome. I'm going to try to get a clip here yeah. on it, but uh, I do I do believe uh, that these uh, I do believe that these people that are putting this together are perhaps in danger of their lives. What do you say, Tommy? If they're living in the U.K., they probably are, since, of course, we know that the entire country is a gun-free zone, which is why they've had to ban knives as well. Yes, uh, that's what they did. Yeah, you can't even get a decent steak knife in England. Thanks to the Dangerous Knives Act. Restrictions on pocket knives, and you cannot carry one in your pocket. Conceal weapons. Here we are. This season on The Real Housewives of ISIS. It's only three days till with a headache. And I've got no idea what I'm going to wear. Abdul seduced me online. He had me at free healthcare. So this is my sixth marriage. Uh, I've been widowed five times. Six times. I'm so glad I've moved over here. It's everything those guys on the chat room told me it would be. And it's sort of so many wonderful surprises. Enough to do just to burn me. Are you ready, girls? Yeah. Hang on, I'm recording it for Instagram. Ta-da! What do you think? Comes over the new homicide vest. Hashtag OMG, hashtag Jihadi Jane, hashtag death to the West Isis emoji. Oh, babe, I love it. You look gorgeous. She looks massive. You're gonna need a lot of stem text to kill that one. Oh, guys. Hey, ladies, what do you think of this? And she comes in wearing the same vest. What a complete bitch. She knew I had that jacket. Copied everything. Copied this. Oh, my God, it was so cringe. Hashtag matchy matchy. Times like this, I wish I'd never moved out here. (laughs) Coming up next week. Talking about his 40 birthdays. Why can't I do this? Uh, Ali bought me a new chain, which is eight foot long. So it's almost outside, which is great. <laughs> I love it. I think this is God, freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to look that up. Oh, I'm yeah. Look that up. The Real Housewives of ISIS, guys. I think this is fabulous. I, I hope it goes viral. I hope it becomes the most watched show on the BBC. Um, now, that's just, this is absolutely awesome. Well, before I move on to the next topic, uh, you guys got anything else you want to get in yeah. here? I want to leave you with a piece of humor, Doc. Go ahead. Uh, I, I heard a joke when I was in Utah. There was a... Um, a contingent of old Baptist ladies touring the country, uh, going across the southwest, up through Utah and out to California on a big bus. Mm-hmm. They got to Salt Lake, and, and a, a missionary got on the bus and took them on a tour around the Temple Square and all around town and took them off uh, outside of town where there was a mansion and said, this is where the prophet Brigham Young lived. And one of the old ladies looked down and said, what are all those little houses behind that is all well, as you know, uh, in the early part of our church, we practiced something called the principle, which we engaged in polygamy. We don't do that anymore. <clears throat> and the old lady said, an old man like that with all those young girls, he should have been hung. And the missionary said, he was, ma'am. He was. <laughs> 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 oh, 
it's an honor to have shared a radio spot with you. I shall always cherish this moment. Well, uh, you can cherish it every Friday, guys. If you like uh, Wilbur Witt, and if you've missed out on his writings, you can get Wilbur's books on Amazon, guys. All you got to do is type in Wilbur Witt. Go to Amazon.com. He's got a number of great books there. You can get them. My personal favorite is Cigar Box. Uh, but uh, get those get those books and read up. And uh, Wilbur occasionally drops a little uh, little egg on my page as well. And uh, let me see, what's the name of your blog, Wilbur? Uh, Simple Old Boy from Austin. Simple Old Boy from Austin. You should go there and check it out. And uh, you know, read. Uh, that's where he puts his daily musings uh, when he's oh, in the mood to do so. I've got something I want to tell Tommy. It's interesting before I go. Um, we, we're connected with a tribe of Indians up in Washington State. They help us with the kids and all that. And they called um, Pamela in uh, Salt Lake uh, a week or two ago, and they said uh, they're a member of a Book of the Month club up there. And they automatically ordered the Book of the Month, and they ordered several copies this time to pass around as gifts for Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. the, book, the Book of the Month this last month was Cigar Box. Wow. Fantastic. And they didn't. They said your name is on the cover in, in Wilbur's tomb. Pam said, "Yes, we wrote that book." So I, I thought Pam wrote a list somewhere, and Tommy knows that it can happen at any time. Well, and, and I go down, and now I go down to the bank, and I get a little love note every now and then. It's not much, but it's there. Well, that is wonderful. Uh, Cigar Box is a really good read. I, I did enjoy reading it, and I think uh, most of my listeners would enjoy reading it as well. And then, of course, uh, Tommy Attaway's new book has just hit, mm -hmm. and I think you guys ought to get a, get a copy of that. Uh, I will. Edify, and then get the sequel, uh, Independence. So, um, anyway, all right, Tommy, any last words of wisdom before uh, I let you go? Uh, I can't compete with Wilbur. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I tell me I get lucky. I'll just be honest with you. I just get, I get lucky. I guess I'm just uh, uh, people ask, how do you write? With my fingers. <laughs> get lucky. <laughs> the reason I call myself a simple old boy is when I screw, when I mess up. If somebody pins me down, I tell them I told you I was stupid from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to play a little little music here for you, and then I'm going to come back with my, uh, my next story. So stick around on the Doc Green Thank Show. Thank you, Doc. Yes. Thank you, guys.
if you didn't like that, you probably can't be made happy, guys. A little bit of sweet comfort there off their first album. And uh, one of my favorite bands, so. Wanted to play that for you. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Chaplin Gypsy Robert uh, wrote this. He said, uh, recently I was outside cleaning up my motorcycle. And one of my neighbors stopped by to chat as they were returning home from walking their dog. Well, during our conversation, I asked her little girl what she wanted to be when she grew up. She said she wants to be president one day. Now, I happen to know that both her parents were uh, liberal Democrats, and they were standing there, so I asked her, I said, well, if you were president, what would be the first thing you would do? She said, well, I'd give food and houses to all the homeless people, and her parents beamed with pride. I said, wow, that's a worthy goal. But you don't have to wait till you're president to do that. So well, what do you mean? I said, look, you come over to my house tomorrow, you mow the lawn, pull the weeds, trim a hedge, and I'm going to give you 50 bucks. Then you can go over to the grocery store, you know where that homeless guy hangs out on the corner, and you can give him the $50, and he can use that to, to buy food and maybe even uh, save up a little bit for rent. She thought it over for a few seconds, and she looked me straight in the eye and said, well, why does the homeless guy just come over and do the work and you pay him the $50? And then I said, welcome to the Republican Party. Her parents aren't speaking to me anymore. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I absolutely factually do. So um, now that Donald Trump is in office, maybe things are going to turn around. But I want you guys to be aware of there are a record, according to the new statistics posted today, there are 95,102,000 Americans out of work. The number has grown 18% since 2009, according to this article. I rather suspect it's grown more than that. But uh, let's use this low number and just say it's, there are only 18% more people unemployed than there were when uh, Barack and St. Obama took office. But do not forget that the Democrats effectively took control 10 years ago when Nancy Pelosi got the checkbook. Nancy Pelosi, an absolute dyed-in-the-wool idiot, former underwear model, uh, got the checkbook and just went nuts. Don't forget, that's the same Nancy Pelosi that had to have a better quality plane when she was Speaker of the House because California is oh so far away and she needed a very fast airplane to get there. And uh, the same Nancy Pelosi that expected you to pay for all of her bourbon. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, and not and not the cheap stuff either. I mean, she wants 20-year-old 20, 20 Balvenie scotch on there, and you get to pay for it. So anyway, the final jobs report of the Barack and St. Obama dictatorship released on, well, released today, shows the number of Americans not in the labor force has gone up by 18.09%. In December, according to the Labor Department of Bureau and Labor Statistics, a record 95,102,000 people not in the labor force. That's higher than, than November by 47,000 people when the labor force participation rate was 62.7%. The participation rate has dropped to a 38-year low of 62.4% during Barack and St. Obama's watch. A 30, did you hear that? A 38-year low. In other words, it's been 38 years since we had this few people participating in the labor force. And the good news is we've got plenty of Muslims. Anyway, people over the age of 16 who are no longer working or even looking for work for any reason, retirement, school, personal preference, or they just gave up, 
are not even counted as participating in a labor force. That's how they get this wonderful, ridiculously low number. Uh, to quote Stacey Dash, a black woman, Obama doesn't give a crap about terrorism or people out of work. He just could, care, could not care less. Must be terrible when black women even don't think you're cool and you're black. I don't know. Anyway, the Bureau of Labor Statistics went on to say the department, the December unemployment rate increased a tenth of a point to 4.7%, well below the Obama-era record high of 10%. But they're all lies. They're all lies because the reason this is getting so low is everybody has given up. So they don't get counted anymore. In an interview with a reporter yesterday, Barack Obama said he has done an enormous amount to create greater economic activity for Americans. Uh, yeah, on what planet? I took, an ec- I took economy that was about to go into the Great Depression, Barack said, and now we've had a little over six years of straight economic growth and unemployment rate that's down below 5% and incomes that have gone up and poverty has gone down. Now, Barack in St. Obama... <sighs> He's either dumber than a rock or he's more full of crap than a Christmas turkey. He's concluded that there are still folks out there that struggle and there are a few communities that are, well, a little bit depressed, but he calls it an ongoing battle. He said, we're going to have to continue to work to make sure the kids are getting the best education they can. Well, once again, on what planet? I don't think there's anybody out there that believes that uh, our children are getting a good education, except for maybe Barack and St. Obama. I don't even think he believes it. I think he's just willing to lie about it. In December, the nation's civilian non-institutionalized population, consisting of people older than 16 who are not in the military or an institution, reached 254,742,000. And of those... A mere 159,640,000 participated in the labor force, either by holding a job or looking for one. So they're counting people in the labor force who are just looking for a job that don't actually have one. This is such a bogus number. Good God Almighty. Among uh, major working groups, the um, unemployment rates for the adult men are 4.4%, according to this, adult women 4.3%, teenagers 14.7%, whites 4.3%, blacks 7.8%. Now, why would any black man vote for Brock and St. Obama? Can you think of a single reason why that would happen? I mean, can you think of any reason why a single black man would vote for Brock and St. Obama? I can't. I can't. The number of long-term unemployed, that is, those people that have been jobless for 27 weeks or more, was essentially unchanged at 1.8 million in December and accounted for 24.2% of unemployed people. We're in a world of hurt, guys. Absolutely messed up. Totally destroyed. It's going to take someone like Donald Trump to turn this around. The good news is, though, I actually believe that Donald Trump, I actually believe that Donald Trump is the one who's going to be able to make this happen. 
if he cuts taxes as he has said he would, we're about to experience an incredible amount of growth, guys. Strap in. and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. Today, Friday, January 6th, 2017, 
Good afternoon, Al. Well, howdy. All kinds of crazy things happening today, and uh, I think first we'll we should get to the gold pricing in the markets, and then we'll talk about various things that are happening today, happening right now. And uh, gold today, it's been a hectic day. Gave back a little bit of its gains from yesterday. Not bad, down 8.30. 8.30 for gold today at 11.72.90. Silver's down 11 cents at 16.54. Platinum uh, basically unchanged at 971. Palladium up 19, up almost 2.5%, 761. That's just a lot of enthusiasm of, of... Automobiles and jewelry, but uh, uh, anyway, we'll see what else is going on. The USDX also uh, pumped back up today, 0.79 at 102.18. And crude oil down 10 cents at 53.66. I guess that's a new financial term, pumped up. <laughs> Help pump, pump me up. Remember the Hans and Franz from yeah. Saturday Night Live? I, I didn't. There was, that was before my time, Melody. But oh, I well. heard about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you agreed. You said my grandparents. Huh? My grandparents told me about it. Uh, oh, I didn't oh, see it myself. Hans and Franz, you pump me up. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> I tickled myself today. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Um, paper markets. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Paper markets today. The Dow, 19,000. It did hit. It didn't close. 19,999.63. That was the hot high for the day? It hit. Yeah, that was the intraday high. 19,999. Couldn't do it. Couldn't. Just, now, how do you keep <laughs> a lousy 40? Tenth of a point or something yeah, like how that. How do you keep it from not? I mean, Some cheapskate. Some cheapskate out there just wasn't going to spend the last $5. He could have spent it, could have put it over, but no. No, I figured maybe the, the guy behind the computer took a little nap and he didn't see what it, he forgot to He forgot to enter. He forgot to enter. Well, the it, may be, it may be that the guy behind the computer is paying close attention and making sure that it doesn't hit 20000 because all of the speculation about when it's going to hit 20,000 might be good for business. Everybody's looking. Has it hit 20,000 yet? Has it hit 20,000 yet? It may be actually increasing their, their, uh, their, how much business they're doing. That's what I said last week. I mean, it's the excitement of getting up to 20,000, so it could be. And if we get there finally, then it all dies. All right, we've been there all that week, but. Anyway, the Dow closed up 64 points at 19,964. Point oh one. <laughs> the Nasdaq was uh, up thirty three points at fifty five twenty one point oh six, and the S and P was up seven point nine eight at twenty two seventy six point nine eight. Ten year yield today climbed back up a little bit on the yield two point four two percent on the ten year up point zero five. Euro was holding at one oh five, but it took a big dip today at point six eight. European markets pretty much unchanged. And I wonder what the oh, 
the emotion driving the market, the fear and greed, 69, been holding there for a couple days now. So they're just not quite sure where they want to go. If we need to be a little fearful or maybe I can stay greedy for just a little bit longer. So, again, it's interesting to see what the trend is and uh, on various indexes uh, to see what that is. A um, couple things going on. Uh, let me bring up. Uh, I guess, again, we've had a situation um, in the Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale Airport. Um, Five were shot dead. Now, the reports are, and again, we always hear different things and so forth, but supposedly the gunman came off a Canadian flight and the gun was checked in bag. He is in custody, 26 male, American born in Jersey. Um, that's all I've had a chance to uh, follow up on is uh, we've had a hectic uh, afternoon here uh, this Friday afternoon. So there's uh, this, I believe, happened in the baggage claim area. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, scan, but if he brought it in on a checked bag, um, you know. That's really, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Does this mean in Canada you can just, Put anything you want in the luggage, and nobody pays, pays well, any think, attention. Well, I would think well, they don't like you know they they're very restrictive on on weapons in uh, uh, Canada. So that's kind of a little surprising. Now I don't very surprising. He, don't know where he came from. Maybe he flew into Canada first and then came down here. But the, let me just uh, touch on this article here. The gunman killed five people and injured eight at the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. Um. He was identified as Esteban Santiago. Irish guy, huh? Yeah. Hmm. He is thought to have been a passenger on a flight from Canada that landed at the uh, around noon with a checked gun in his baggage. After retrieving his bag, Santiago is believed to have gone into the bathroom, loaded the weapon, then he stepped into terminal tube and, and uh, carried out his deed. Uh, he was carrying some form of military ID. He is suspected of, how can you be suspected of being a former U.S. Army soldier from the New York area? Um, it's interesting how they how he they didn't um, bring him down. Um, yeah, it is interesting. Generally, uh, that doesn't end with the perpetrator walking out alive. He might have been, it doesn't say he was wounded, does it? Um, it doesn't... Uh, must have run out of bullets or something. Somehow somebody grabbed him or something happened there. That's a, that's a strange situation. Those kind of, those sorts of events are generally a suicide mission. Uh, the, um, supposedly, this article is saying something about the second incident alarmed passengers already rattled. So I'm not quite sure what that is uh, about. Perhaps, you know, how people get a little... Um, yeah, probably anxious. some Canadian carrying hand grenades or something onto the airplane. It's uh, but, uh, disturbing. So that has happened this afternoon, and of course there is a supposedly a humongous storm traveling up the east coast, a nor'easter, and I believe uh, the Carolinas and uh, uh, Norfolk is supposed to get you know a foot of snow or more. And 
you know, with high winds. It's really the winds that makes it so dangerous because, I mean, you could have a snow flurry. And if it's windy out, you can't see anything. So it does, so when, when you have winds and it snows, it really doesn't matter how much snow you're getting. It is blinding and can be very dangerous. So along the eastern coast, uh, there's certainly a lot of emergency uh, warnings and so forth. And I, I believe where I'm at, we're also under, you know, some sort of a... Well, where is the storm right now? Where is it? It's headed, headed up, I, headed northeast, apparently. But where is it? Is it I down off Georgia, or is it? A, I haven't followed it. Hmm. When it gets here, it gets here. Right. No, when it gets here, as long as it's not a hurricane with you know 100 mile an hour winds, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need. But what's interesting when I went to the post office today, I heard the the news on the radio, and they had actually said that my little town of Berlin was under some sort of an emergency snow ordinance or something. And I, I thought, what? We're only, we're only here in Berlin. We're only supposed to get maybe eight inches, which is no big deal when you come from central Pennsylvania. And it was like you couldn't be out if you didn't have snow chains or snow no. tires. Yep. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> You're making it. I just, you know, ridiculous. But, I lived in Colorado years ago. This would go back into the 60s. And somebody says <laughs> driving over Loveland Pass. And I don't know what the elevation is there. It's probably 10,000 feet or something like that at Loveland Pass. And it's high. And it's, you know, snowing. There's a blizzard going on. And he sees tracks going off the side, going off the road and down. Right, so he parks, follows the tracks down in the midst of this blizzard, looking for finds a pickup truck down there, and he knew it was fresh because the blizzard, the tracks hadn't been filled with snow yet, and it, it wouldn't, it would only take a little while before the blizzard would cover the tracks. So he knew this just happened. Went down there, the doors of the pickup truck were wide open, it had rolled, whatever, and there was nobody to be found. He thought that the driver had apparently been flung out of the vehicle, and he was probably in the snow someplace where you couldn't be seen, maybe buried in the snow. He went and got help. They had 15, 20 people helping with poles and going down here. And this is like 6 o'clock at night. It's already dark. and It's freezing. It's blizzard. And they're looking for this guy's body. <laughs> and when they get done, they finally just can't find him. <laughs> and they go into town. And here's this, here's a man. They get into town at a local saloon. And here's this guy sitting at the bar, and he's got a row of shot glasses in front of him, and he's just knocking one down and then knocking another one down. There, so sort of like, and he looks over. The guy who's been looking for the missing driver sits down next to him, and the guy who's drinking the shots, he said, Would you believe it? I went off Loveland Pass tonight. So while they were, while they were searching for this guy's body, he had hitchhiked into town to get drunk. So I always thought that was, I thought that was an interesting story, Melody. Maybe other people I'm glad you actually agree, but I'm uh, glad you shared it with us. Well, it's something for all of you on the East Coast, who are perhaps going to get snowed in by a blizzard. Um, we're having we're having snow here in Dallas, which is strange. Yeah. I mean, it really has accumulated on the ground a little bit. I'm half inch if that, if that, but <clears throat> but it's nice to see. I actually enjoy seeing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm glad to see that it can still snow I'll send you in some. Dallas. I'll send you some. Good. Put some put some of those <laughs> tomatoes in, in with it. Put, <laughs> yeah, put them in with the tomatoes. Try to get them here within the next month or six weeks. All right. 
Uh, something else interesting today. Today, U.S. Congress certifies Trump's electoral college victory. Uh, they certified the, the college vote that gave uh, uh, Donald Trump his victory. And it really is amazing that there were some Democratic challenges. Now, I'm sure it was just, uh, you know, and they were listened to. The, um, yeah, they have to listen. They have to listen to them. But it is amazing. It's like, guys, you know, I mean, everybody's got a right to voice their opinion. But, you know, come on, move on. There's, there's bigger things happening in this world, in this country to, you know, because, you know, I mean, what's it going to get you? It's just, to me, just wasted air, wasted time. Well, it's the sort All of right. thing that made discredit so the Democrats more than anything else. And, and I don't mean that the whole Democratic Party or anything like that should be judged by a handful of Democrats may have lodged a complaint, but it's a certain amount of, you know, it takes all kinds to make a political party, and some of the kinds got up there and made some complaints. And the, yeah, in the end, is it going to do them any good? Is it going to do them some harm? It really surprises me that, I mean, even at this point in time, you had members of the House of Representatives objected to the electoral tally in states, including Alabama, Florida, Michigan, Texas, Mississippi, and the Carolinas, in a symbolic move that exposed lingering dismay. Uh, some members complained about long lines at polling stations, while others cited concerns over Russian attempts to influence the result. In Trump's favor, there was even a protester that was ejected during the joint session of Congress. I mean, it's like, really? <laughs> I mean, he's, well, you know, they have more time on their hands than I do. But uh, anyway, it's over. It's done. We have President Donald Trump. President certified, elected. Is now certified and will take office on January 20th. Yep. Two there. weeks. Yep. Two That's weeks. Two more weeks and we will have... A new president, and I don't know that I'm exactly all that excited about having a new president, but I am pretty much pleased about getting rid of the one we have. He has really done, I mean, but that that would be a whole program talking about the uh, the things that man has done to this country. But, talking about Obama, of course. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, how people can still support, I mean, it's just like... Anyway, there was some financial news uh, articles. We had uh, uh, job numbers today, and I did have them here. But when you were telling me about the uh, the, the snow, I I lost it, Al. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was got buried in the blizzard. <laughs> but there's a record 95 million Americans still not in the labor force. Yeah. Um. That's but they don't true. count. They They're not in the labor force, <laughs> but they don't count as being unemployed. Uh, the final jobs report uh, shows that the number of Americans in the labor force has increased by 14.5 uh, million. That's 18 percent since January of 2009, mm -hmm. when Obama took office. Uh, in December, according to the Labor Department's Bureau of Labor Statistics, a record 95. 0.102 million Americans were not in the labor force, 47,000 more than in November, and the labor force participation rate was 62.7%, a tenth of a point higher than in November. And so we're looking at another, uh, the participation rate dropped to a 38-year low of 624 
uh, in September of 2015. It was only three-tenths of a point higher than that last month. We have people over the age 16 who are no longer working or even looking for work for whatever reason. Um, let's see what else, any other numbers in here. The BLS at the department, the December unemployment rate increased a tenth of a point to 4.7%. Well, last month, a record uh, 152 million Americans were counted as employed, and that was up 63 from November, uh, 63,000 from November. Let's see what else is going on. I'll see if I can't find. Uh, I'll pull up the uh, employment numbers um, when we go to break here in just a few minutes and report those when we come back from break. I do have a little special today. I have uh, it's a, a gold and silver special, and there's two specials. We have a quarter ounce American Gold Eagle, quarter ounce American Gold Eagle, and we have a tube of 20 one ounce silver rounds. This includes your shipping costs for $690. Now, if you would like to upgrade your silver to the American Silver Eagle, uh, two, uh, 2017 is the date. They'll be the new ones. And also a quarter ounce American Gold Eagle. That package is $730. So $690 with your quarter ounce gold and your silver rounds. You can upgrade your silver to the 2017 Silver Eagles for $730. And uh, we do have uh, people standing by to take your calls, 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. And just remember, if you're listening to a rebroadcast on a Saturday or at 11 at night or something like that, well, yes, there wouldn't be anybody there to take your calls. But please leave a message, and we'll get back to you our next uh, business day. Okay, we're going to take a break for a couple commercials, and Melody and I will be right back on Financial Survival. Please stay tuned. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. 
1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188. What's next, Melody? Well, I wanted to mention non-farm payrolls today grew by 156,000 jobs in December, and uh, it did miss expectations, And but everyone was, uh, it was basically overshadowed by a sharp gain in wages. And again, uh, a lot of the story, uh, average hourly wages jumped $0.10 to $26, representing a 2.9% annualized gain. That comes a month after wages showed a modest decline. The average work week was unchanged at 34.3 hours. Um, That works out to an extra $3.30 per person. Well, the thing um, of it is, again, per week. it's fine what your wages do, but what's your disposable income? When you have your you know, health insurance increase 60%, well, when your wages increase 60%, then I'll be a little more excited or 10% or something. But, yeah, I mean, but uh, and I get what the report does and, and what is expected, but... Uh, um, but still, yeah, there, there's way. Healthcare led the way with 43,000 new jobs, while bars and restaurants added 30,000. Social assistance. I can't remember it. Social assistance being a group that was um, reported separately grew by 20,000. Transportation and warehousing added 15,000. Financial services saw a gain of 13,000 in manufacturing. Again, it's a weak point. Um, Supposedly, they saw 15,000 new jobs, the same total as business and professional services. Um, At the same time, the declining workforce also stood out. This continued. The the labor force increased to 95, which we already talked about. Um, but again, you got to remember that uh, 38 years, that takes us back to 1970s. You can say 38 years, 32 years, yeah, but you think about 1970. <laughs> so tell me that this economy, so tell me that things are going well in this country and in this economy. We have, we peaked in the 1970s and we have not really gained for the average person since then. And whatever gains may even appear to exist are perhaps primarily based on debt. Yeah. And what happened in the 1970s? That's when the dollar became, 1971, the dollar became a pure fiat currency. They'd already relieved the dollar of it. It was no longer backed by gold or silver. 
in domestically within the United States, but up until 71, foreigners without dollars could still redeem them for gold. Well, in 1971, Nixon closed the gold window, the currency became pure fiat, and we have at best, and I mean, really we've pretty much stagnated ever since. Haven't had a collapse per se, at least not yet. Um, no real booms. You know, we've had some better times and some worse times, but we were gaining up until the 1970s, and since then we have just been treading water. We've been holding in place primarily. Insofar as that's true, it's not proof that the reason, the fundamental reason for our stagnation is a lack of gold or silver to back our money, um, but there's a good chance that that lies at the core of the explanation. Why haven't we progressed? Why haven't we prospered? Why are we living in debt, debt, debt? And the answer is because we got rid of, we finally eliminated the tie between fiat dollar and gold and since then it's been increasingly interesting and it looks like it's going to get even more interesting as we get into 2017 and sooner or later it's going to become so interesting it's going to be devastating but we'll watch and see how long it takes to get there one more thing we talked about this during the break and i'll just i'm not going to read it or anything like that but folks if you can't sleep tonight they did release the full intelligence report on hmm. Russian, on Russia interfering with the U.S. election. It's declassified, so you get to read the whole thing. You can read the full intelligence report. So if you're bored tonight and not sleepy and you want to fall asleep, you can read. Do you have any idea of what the full intelligence report reports? No, I don't. Uh-huh. Do you? No, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I'm curious. I mean, they're releasing this. This is it. almost like Obama's last gesture, one I of his can't. last gestures of spite I, in this country. It might be, I, does I, the report say I, that, that Russia's guilty? Does it say they're innocent? Well, it says that they're, you know, that there was, uh, that uh, Putin um, ordered a campaign to undermine faith in the process. I mean, I don't believe this report has anything that we don't already know or they wouldn't have released it, you know, for public consumption to read. So, but the U.S. intelligence uh, on Friday accused Russia of interfering of the 2016 election in its strongest terms yet. And it's backing up for the, the Obama's sanctions um, on Russia. But um, so they're blaming Putin as, you know, ordering a campaign to disturb the election. Now, they both say it didn't have anything to do with the actual uh, voting or the outcome. But uh, the findings came in an unclassified report uh, today by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence that goes into the most detailed yet on what it calls Russian meddling in the U.S. election. And we would never do that to Russia. They're meddling. (laughs) We would never meddle in the political affairs of Russia because we are just a little too refined and gentlemanly to do those sorts of things. But those dastardly Russians allegedly meddled in our election. Just meddle. I can tell you that I wouldn't blame the Russians for doing so. I'm not convinced that they did, but everyone seemed... The opinion that Hillary Clinton, if she was elected, she would initiate a third world war against for us against Russia. A lot of people held that opinion. Now, and I think, and Putin was one of them. 
he said at one point, if Hillary's elected, it's war. Now, whether that's right, whether that's wrong, it's I don't have no doubt that Putin and Russia actually believed that if Hillary was elected, we would go to war. Well, and well, under those circumstances, if I was sitting there as uh, prime minister or president of Russia or whatever, I would say, hey, change that election. We can't have that woman elected. Why not? You know it's easier than going to nuclear war. Yeah, but you know what, Al? It's not even that. Every country in the world, if they can meddle, will meddle. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just, it's just the state of the... Yeah, I understand. The problem is, where's the leadership that says, hey, we believe Russia tried to meddle into our election. I want to know how, I want to know why, and I want to know who did not do their job in order to allow that to happen. That's what needs to be done. They need to find out. And was it because of Hillary's server in a closet and her connection, her emails to the DNC? So how far did that follow? Did they did they get into the, just the DNC, or were they now able to get into Hillary's emails? That's where the investigation needs to go. There's no reason why if this country is supposed to be the most advanced in technology, why we can't have <laughs> a, a, someone that can prevent the hacking from other countries. I mean, even... Well, there's the problem, from- Melody. Hacking from other countries, I doubt if you can prevent that without also preventing hacking from within this country. And there's a bunch of people in this country, so far as I'm able to at least imagine, that they want to be able to hack into the election. They want to be able to change the votes and whatever. We've heard the stories for 10, maybe 20 years. Now, the true stories, the conspiracy theories, I don't know. But I am, you know, I can't tell you, I'm 60% confident that Hillary Clinton tried to hack into the election herself and change percentages in one place or another. I don't know it to be true, and I could be wrong. But we've heard the stories repeatedly, and this story about Russia potentially hacking the election, that's actually maybe going to do us some good. We may actually set up an election system before this is done that is extremely difficult to influence from the outside and defraud and whatever by posting votes that were never actually That's what this is all about, Al. They want to change the election process. That's why they're so much focused on this. They want to change it. They want to go in there and, you know, maybe maybe do something to the electoral votes and change it the way the states counted or so forth. That's what it's all about. Well, somebody's always hustling. There's always some smart guy someplace, whether it's somebody in Russia or somebody in Washington, D.C., who thinks he's smart enough that he can betray the fundamental idea of an open, honest election. He can betray that, pervert it, and use it to his own advantage. And if it was me, if I were sitting in the White House and there was any speculation, there was any evidence that people had tried to violate the fund of just the fairness of the election and by casting false votes in her, I'd, I'd have him charged with treason. And if a jury found him guilty, I'd hang him by the neck until dead. And it would, once people understand you mess with the vote, you die. There'd be a whole lot less attempts to pervert the elections in this country. And I don't know that there are, I, I don't know how bad this attempt to 
violate election ethics. I don't know how serious that is. I don't know if it's real, if it's significant. But I guarantee you I've been hearing about it 20 years at least, maybe 25 from sources who act as if they're credible and, yeah. and they seem to think there is. All right, put an end to it. We catch you changing any votes, casting any uh, dead people's votes, the rest of it. And I mean, we're going to light you up. Got 30 days, trial for treason starts. If you're found guilty, bye bye. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, that'll stop it. Well, I mean, we can say that with everything. We can say that with drugs. We can say that with, yeah, with any crime. Depends. We can when say with treason, any crime. We can say treason with any is crime. a specific thing. Stop to everything. You're essentially making war on the United States of America and treason, and or giving aid and comfort to our enemies. We could, you can make the argument that people who try to falsify the election, try to pervert the election, are giving aid and comfort to the enemies of the people of the United States of America. You can make that argument. Will the jury accept it? Will they believe it? I don't know. But you can make that argument, and a lot of people say, yeah, buddy, I agree with you. It's hard to prove. No, I don't think it would be. If you were really looking for this, if they were serious about it, I think both parties are guilty of this. In different places, I don't mean across the whole nation, but it happens. You have, you know, the town of whatever, name a town. It probably happened for 100, 200 oh, years. Probably. We've been trying to falsify the election yeah. since the elections began. Somebody's been oh. trying to figure out how to beat the, beat the system and, and avoid the will of the majority and impose his will instead. Stalin was the one who was famous for saying it doesn't matter who votes in the election. It matters who counts the votes. I think this time it has shown people that votes, if we believe that our votes did count this time. I mean, there, there's, discussion, well, there's, discussion, there's discussions, too, that, you know, Mr. Trump is exactly who they wanted <laughs> You know, so I mean, yes, you could debate it both ways. There's a conspiracy theory for every conspiracy theory. Exactly. um, Multiple. Here's one of the things that's kind of along those lines. It's it's uh, this is from Miss Shedlock. And the headline is fear of big government near record high despite Trump win. Now, this is interesting to me because I have had an anti-government status attitude. Um, I don't know, now 30 years or more. And most of the time I thought I was a voice in the wilderness. We couldn't, we could get a little support. We didn't get much, but this is interesting to me because it turns out that maybe we were closer all along than we imagined. Um, Gallup has an interesting poll out today concerning top tiers of U.S. citizens. Even Al, Al, you've told me many times you're not true anti-government. I'm an anti-corrupt government. I'm pro-constitutional government. Yeah, so to me, I believe there is a difference. Oh, yeah. I I understand. It's like whose government, whose law is going to control? And the government we have, they say, well, our statutes are going to control. I'm sitting here saying, no, our constitution is going to control. Darren? Who's the boss? That's what this is about. Who going to be? Who is going to be the boss? Will government just write any statute they want without regard to the limitations uh, Im- Im- imposed by the Constitution? If they can, then they're the boss. They are the sovereigns. On the other hand, if we, the people, if our Constitution means anything, it sets limits and it says you can't, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. There's only 17 things basically in the in the Article One of the Constitution that you can do, and the government says. 
They don't want to be bound by the Constitution, and that's the complaint. Are you, you know, who's 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 the boss? If it's we, the people, I, the Constitution I, controls. If it's the government, the statutes control. Which one? In any case, uh, this, this article is fear of big government near record high despite Trump win. Gallup has an interesting pullout today concerning top fears of U.S. citizens. Despite the election of Donald Trump, Americans still see big government as top threat. As businessman Donald Trump prepares to become the nation's 45th president, Americans continue to express more concern about the threat of big government that it poses to the United States than big business or big labor. Two out of three Americans, 67%, identify big government as the country's biggest threat. Two-thirds of the people. Now, I guarantee you, if I had any idea that uh, that the numbers were that high, that's, that's a surprise to me. And I have been among those people for 30 years who are concerned about big government, and yet I had no idea how how common the sentiment was, which is not to say that it was 67% 30 years ago or 20 years, but it is 67% now. That's below the record high of 72% in 2013, but still on the higher end of the range since the mid-60s. Americans have consistently been more concerned about big government and big business and big labor since Gallup first asked this question in 1965. Concern peaked in 2013, the year a health care exchange opened under the Affordable Care Act. And former NSA contractor Edward Snowden revealed information about government spying tactics. Worry about big government spiked to a record high of 38% in 2002 after corporate scandals. Excuse me. Worry about big business spiked to a record high of 38% um, in 2002 after corporate scandals at Enron, WorldCom, and Tyco. Made headlines. It rose to 31% in 2008 after government bailouts of banks and Bernie Madoff's massive Ponzi scheme. The point behind this is that the whole country, the majority of people in this country, are concerned and they understand that the government is the biggest enemy of the people of the United States of America. And that is a powerful patriotic statement. And I'll tell you why when we get back. Take a couple of commercials, and Melody and I will be right back on Financial Survival. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. 
five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Cedarstrom on financial survival, and when we closed off the last segment of the program, we were talking about uh, why it's a healthy sign that people don't trust the government. It is a wonderful sign, right? It is the essence of being a good American to distrust the government. And a lot of people say, well, that's crazy talk. No, it's not. The Founding Fathers understood clearly that the biggest threat we would ever face in this country would not be coming from England or China or Russia or anybody else. It's coming from Washington, D.C. And they did what they could with the Constitution to chain the SOBs down in Washington. They tried to give us limited government. We have three branches of government. Instead of having one governmental entity that can do anything it wants. The idea was when we had separation of powers, the three fundamental branches of government would be contesting among themselves, and it would help to prevent government from exerting too much force and authority on the people. We have First Amendment, freedom of speech. It isn't freedom to talk about what the Kardashians are doing today. Freedom of speech is the freedom to speak about what's going on in politics Freedom of the press, again, it's not about gossip columns. The reason they, they guaranteed the freedom of press is so if one man finds what government is doing, and they knew they'd be, you couldn't trust them. If one man finds what government is doing, he could print it, he could publish it. It was legal and lawful, and he could put the word out, and he could help by <clears throat> informing other people of what government was doing wrong. He could help to prevent or inhibit government from being wrong. Second Amendment. It's not about shooting ducks and deer and whatever. It was to protect the people of the states of the Union against the government, the federal government. All of the first ten amendments, their fundamental purpose is to prevent the, the, uh, uh, prevent the federal government from, ex- from exerting too much force and authority over the states of the Union. That's what the, tenth, the ten amendments were for. And the point I'm trying to make is that the genius of the American Constitution, the United States, the Constitution of the United States. The genius is that it is fundamentally an anti-government document. It tries to limit the powers of government. It gives you means and, and, and tools and rights to hold them in check as best you can if you care to, if you pay attention. Because they knew, they knew you set up a government, it will attract, you know, it will attract crooks and criminals the same way banks attract Bank robbers. All right? 
They're coming. They're going to, it's true for governments around the world. It's not just our government. It's the nature of government to be a criminal enterprise. People use government powers to exploit other people. Well, the, the, unlike most constitutions that are created for new countries, new governments, whatever, our constitution did not enshrine the government. It enshrined the people and said, all right, we're going to trust you with some powers, but only limited powers. And you can't do this, 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 and we get these rights. They did everything they understood how to do in order to prevent government abuse of powers. And from that perspective, I would say that the Constitution, I have said, I've said it for years, Constitution is an anti-government document. Government doesn't like it. It's the chain that holds government in place. They don't want that chain. They want to get rid of that Constitution. They want to diminish it, minimize it. All right? The Constitution is an anti-government document. From my perspective, being a good American means living in harmony with the fundamental principles of the Constitution of the United States. I don't think many people would object to that argument. And when you look at this and you begin to understand, wait a second, the principal point behind this Constitution was to inhibit government, restrict government, limited government. It is an anti-government document. That's where I reached the conclusion that when people are afraid of government and they are skeptical of the government, it's evidence that we are properly, we're doing our, bit, we're doing our job correctly here. So when I see this article that says, fear big government near record high despite Trump win, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, buddy. If 67% of this country uh, identify government as the country's biggest threat, I guarantee you there are politicians out there who understand this, and whether they like it or they don't like it, they're going to capitalize on it. And they will be catering to people. If 67% of the electorate doesn't like big government, there's going to be more and more politicians say, okay, let's get rid of big government. Not because they're patriots per se, but because they're just looking out for themselves. I can get elected if I vote, if I, if I run on the basis of uh, we're against big government. It's true for anybody who wants to go high probability. That would be an issue if you can express it properly. It'll be an issue that will resonate with the majority of the voters. So, yada, yada. I'm delighted. Fear big government near record high. Great, great, great. All right? Because that may help keep this hold this government at bay. I'll give you another point on this. This is an aside. This doesn't really follow with what we're just talking about. But does anybody know, after basically eight years of having Barack Obama in the White House, does anybody know for a fact what he's in favor of? Is he in favor of Muslims? Is he in favor of homosexuals? Is he in favor of the poor? Is he in favor of blacks? Is he in favor of big business? Is he in favor of global peace? Is he in favor of uh, global war? What does that guy actually stand for? After eight years, I'm not sure that I can say. Does anybody really know? It's like he dabbled in everything. There's things he does that were favoring big business. There's things that seemingly favored the poor. I wonder sometimes, what was Obama all about? Maybe others. I don't know. Melody, do you know what he was all about? Or is it a little bit of a mystery to you, too? He liked the Muslims. <laughs> he had quite a few in his uh, administration. Yes, yeah, that's true. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, you could, you could see. Uh, and yet, he's yeah. he's causing the deaths of Muslims in the Middle East. 
with his with his military policy, foreign policy. On the one hand, he's encouraging Muslims to enter this country, and he's encouraging Muslims to take positions of authority and power within the government of the United States. On the other hand, he's bombing the bejesus out of their out of their relatives over depends in Syria on, or, or or wherever. It just depends on what tribe he belongs to. Well, I understand, he released but... he released those from. Uh, he's trying to get the rest of them released from Guantanamo. Um, so. Um, Where's the consistency, though? You know, I'd isn't. like to say, is he a liberal? Is he a conservative? He, he had he just passion. A what has he? He had done? passion for gun control. Yeah, how'd that work out for him? <laughs> well, I mean, no, that wasn't your question. Your question was, what was he? And that was the, his, that was that was his agenda. One of his agendas. I think he was in favor of big government. Big and bigger government, and I think it's no accident that fear of big government is near record high. Well, I don't um, think he was in favor of big government. I think he was in favor of destroying this country. Well, maybe so. Again, mm. again, it's the you can come up with. I'm sure the people in the audience <laughs> think about it. What did this guy stand for? I mean, he didn't do the blacks any good. The blacks supported him, right? But he didn't help them. He tried to help the illegal aliens come into this country. He didn't help. He didn't help blacks. So you can't just say he was there to help black people. What's he care about illegal aliens other than he, he pose a threat to this nation? He helped the LGBTs. I understand. So he so he did. He's all over the he board. Did, no, like he, he had more pa- he had this. more passion for some areas than others. The ones that you mentioned, yeah. I mean, for the good of this country, yeah. There was no passion at all. Right, not that I was able to see. You know, but. Um, not that I was able to see. In a sense, I, I, I look at I look at Obama, and he's still a mystery to me. What the heck was he trying to accomplish? And there's a lot of possible answers, and I've heard probably I imagine I've heard most of them, and they all carry a certain amount of weight. But I just don't see any consistency. What was he trying to do? In any case, that would be one of the reasons Obama may be one of the reasons why our fear of big government has continued has generally increased over the years. And uh I would, I would have to, I would have to interrupt. I, you know, I get the Gallup poll and everything like that. I think we've seen the response of the people through the election. But I don't see it as a fear. I think it's more of a more of an economic fear. Mm-hmm. I see it more as a, a fear of of other things. I don't per, per se, this is my, I, I can't imagine, you know, the people actually fearing, but I think they have fear other things. I think they see the, I think they see the violence that is beginning to spread. I think, and we've seen how government has really done nothing to stop it, to address it or, or anything. We've seen the, the you know, we've seen our economy. People know we're stretched. Um, and we, we've seen the decay of this country. I mean, there's only one place that you can really blame it on, and that's Washington. Mm-hmm. So, is, so are they? That's part of the reason we fear government. I bet they're concerned. Well, they're concerned. I'm not so sure it's a fear. Well, maybe not, but I would say that that's not far removed from the idea that what the heck has Obama been up to for the last eight years? 
I mean, the fear of government is not simply a fear where you sit back and tangibly say, well, they're going to put tanks on the street. No, they're not. But they're going to do other things. They're going to pass laws that may have a good title and they may sound like a good idea, but you look into the details. It's like the Affordable Care Act. Are these people just that stupid? Are they that stupid in Washington, D.C., or are they doing it to us intentionally? And we don't know. This is like talking about Obama. What does he stand for? If you don't know what he stands for, but he's got a bunch of levers that he can control and buttons that, that, where he can apply power, you have to have some confidence that the people in government actually stand think, for Mr. something that can be think? identified and that you support. I don't see that that's there. What do you think Mr. Trump stands for? I think he stands for winning. I don't think I don't think he's an an, an ideologue in the sense an idealist. I don't think that's what he is. But I think he's a pragmatist and he, he's he's he, America number one. All right. Not, not because for moral reasons, the same reason he would support his a particular football team if his son was playing on that team. I think that's the way Trump operates, and maybe that and maybe that's good enough. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a perfect solution, but it's a sort of thing where fine, he's at least playing to win. We've had, I don't know, Obama has been playing to give it away, not playing to win. He's been giving it away for years now. I understand. He's not the only one. And that's why people sit back and you can can see it, you can sense it, but you can't precisely identify it. There's a certain mystery. What is, what are these people doing in Washington? And until we understand that, I think people are going to be increasingly wary of Washington. We're not just going to sit back, oh, sure, I'll trust, <laughs> I'll trust him. He's a congressman, or I'll trust him. He's, he's a senator or a federal judge or whatever. I'll guarantee you the two-thirds of the people who say they fear the government certainly don't go out and vote locally. <laughs> or we wouldn't be perhaps having the problems that, you know, maybe they wouldn't be... It isn't a As question careful. of just voting. You've got to pay attention on a daily and weekly basis. You can't just show up that's for politics point. every that's four years that's when that's the president runs for office. You've got to be there. I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about every four years when the president. I am talking about the local elections and so mm-hmm. forth. So if they were involved in that, there wouldn't be the fear of two-thirds of this country. So you have two-thirds of the people that are saying that they're fearful of the, of the government, but yet they do nothing about it. Well, maybe they will. I mean, part of this or is they would have been doing I did this for 30 years, and it was discouraging to have so few people as a percentage basis, so far as I knew, that were supporting the kinds of ideas I was advocating. But once you see this and say, ha-ha, there's 67% that agree with you, all of a sudden that gives you confidence. You're ready to stand up. You know that two out of three people in the audience are going to say, yeah, buddy, we agree with this guy who's worried about the government. And the government has to know it, too. Yeah, but there's also, All by itself, there is, this is the sort of thing that will discourage government abuse of powers. But there's also other areas. I mean, just like myself. I mean, I've been doing this for, and, and this, I mean, I get, you know, I get for just as long. You know, but we do things to help people in other ways. So they don't have to fear um, what Washington does to their savings and to their retirement accounts and to their pension accounts. So, I mean, there are things that people can do to protect themselves. There are things that people can do to change things. And, but, you know, hey, until things get really bad, 
And I think we're going to experience a lot of nasty things, a lot of, I, I say volatility because I, I don't want to scare people. <laughs> but I think we're going to see a lot worse than volatility, folks. I say volatility, like I said, I don't want to scare you, but it's coming. And I think 2017 is you're going to get to experience it. We've been talking for how many years? Well, both, you know, both Al and I have been doing this for a long time, longer than, you know, since after Bob Chapman and Al and I started doing programs together. You know, we talk about these serious things happening and, and how we're going to see the decline and the social unrest and so forth uh, in this country, the possibilities of it. Well, folks, I think we're there. I think we're going to see it in 2017. We shall see. Hang on for another uh, 11 and a half months, and we'll know for Hope sure. In the meantime, we're going to have to take a weekend off. Thank goodness it's uh, Friday. Melody and I are out of here. We're out of time. We'll be back on Monday. Our office is still open, Alfred. So All right, the office, office is still open, yeah. but the radio program is closed. Be back on Monday. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Todd, the producer. Bye-bye. and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Lumana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body function.
flushes. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Friday, January 6, 2017. It's about seven minutes after 2 p.m. Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we're live, 800-932-1980, 800-932-1980. That is the call-in number. That will get you on the air. Well, your voice anyway. But if you'd like to participate but you don't want to do that, you can go to our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. There's a couple other uh, ways to get there. avrn1.com and avrn.tv. Okay, so that's how you get there. Those are the ways. And... uh, you know, it's pretty easy. Once you get there, you'll see the site has everything you need to know about this network. And it does have that chat room where you can go in there and you can make comments, uh, ask questions, pass stories along, or just socialize. You don't have to do any of that. You can just go in there and hang out. Anyway, let's get to it. There's things and stuff. How about this? See, I was I was wrong. See, I've been saying 140 countries. How wrong could I be? Good golly. Well, I need to I need to correct myself, and I need to, you know, because I don't want to put out fake news and say, you know, the United States has special operations uh, uh, operators in 140 countries, because that's not true, okay? That would be fake news. So let me give you the real number. Uh, U.S. Special Operation Forces deployed to 138 nations. Sorry, see how wrong I was? 70% of the world's countries. That's right. 70% were everywhere. And why? Oh, because they're uh, waging low-profile warfare, and they're uh, stabilizing. Yeah, sure, they're stabilizing the world by, uh, you know, having special operations having low-intensity wars everywhere they go in 138 different countries. Folks, you know, really, I mean, what kind of a country are we? How much more do you need to see to realize that we are the modern Roman Empire, and we are on the verge of facing the same fate the Roman Empire faced for exactly the same reasons, and the main reasons were not... Oh, you know, just uh, the world fell apart. No, Rome rotted from the inside. We live in a supposed Christian nation that 25% of the people put none as their religion. Okay? We live in a nation where homosexuality is celebrated instead of ostracized as it used to be. Look, there were always homos running around, but they stayed to themselves, they kept it to themselves, and they did what they did in private. But now, no, no. They got to get out and, and make a big deal about them being homosexual deviants. And we're all supposed to accept it. We're also living in a nation that kills about 5,000 babies a day. Ooh, that's nice, isn't it? Because of women's health. And guess what? Less than, listen, less 
than, less than 1% of abortions are done to save the mother's life. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, that means 99.9% of abortions are convenience killings. That's right. You're going to inconvenience me by being alive, so I'm going to kill you. And I get to, because it's my right. Oh, well, good. You know what? I want that right, too. Because if women get to just kill a a baby because it's inconveniencing them, then, hey, I want to be able to kill the people that inconvenience me, too. I got a list. Folks, I have a list, so, you know, I'll be busy for a really long time if I get to do that. But I don't get to do that, you see, because that would be murder, just like it is when you kill a baby. So, you know what? That isn't all, though. Oh, no, it goes on. We have a mercenary army. Oh, we got the homosexuals and the transvestites in there, too. Oh, and the women. Yeah. Women warriors. Boy, that's a great idea, huh? Listen, I don't have any problem with women wanting to serve in the military, but not in combat roles. And if it must be that, okay, look, girls want to be killers, so uh, girls are already killers. I mean, 5,000 babies a day? Yeah, who do you think's killing them? Who do you think's making the decision? I know there's some fathers out there, worthless pieces of crap out there telling their girlfriends, yeah, go get an abortion, get rid of that baby, because I don't want to pay for it. I recognize that. But women warriors is a bad idea. But if we must have it, if we we really have said, okay, this is what we want, we have to do it, then they need to be segregated. They need to be in their own units. They need to have their own ships. That's right. You know, hey, set aside a destroyer, set aside whatever, and just populate it with only women. What's wrong with that? Girls, I mean, you're so good. You're equal with men. Why not? Hey, for forever, there were only men on ships. Forever, there were only men in combat units. Somehow, only men could do it. So, hey, girls, come on, only women combat units. Only women combat ships. Come on, do it. Let's do that. If you want to really be killers, then do that. And let's see how you do. Because you know what? What you're doing by being mingled in with the rest of everybody is putting everybody else's lives in danger, including your own. You are sacrificing the success of the mission by your own selfish little ideas about who you want to be. And that is the fact of the matter. But hey, you know, I realize there are girls out there that are probably uh, better suited to be warriors than a lot of guys. And I'm not trying to say they can't be in there. I'm just saying they shouldn't be in there in combat units with men. And, you know, part of the problem is men. It's not just the girls. They're weaker. They can't do the job as well. And that's their problem. But the man's problem is we've got this 
notion that we've got to protect the weaker sex. We've got to look out for the girls. Well, in a combat situation, that's a real bad plan. Everybody's got to pull their weight or die in a combat situation. You know, and everybody depends on everybody. Meaning, if I get shot and we're being overrun, I depend on my teammates to pick me up and carry me, you know, out of the middle of the field. But you see, a 90-pound a woman can't do that. She can't pick me up and she can't even drag me. She can't do the job. Now, hey, listen, you know, on ships, that's a little different because everything is pretty much push a button, pull a lever, and watch things go boom. That's that's how ships work, and, and women can do that. I mean, what's the problem? The problem is putting men and women in a ship together, like that aircraft carrier, the Eisenhower, seven months on station. Man, that's a long time to be locked in a ship. And if you're locked in there with women, what do you think's going to happen? Now, I don't have any real problem with fraternization or anything like that in a, you know, in an on-base uh, situation where you're not in a combat situation. But when you're deployed in a Navy ship in a combat zone, uh, this is a time when your mind ought to be clear about what you're doing. And what you're doing is destroying the enemy and staying alive. Not wondering if, oh, I wonder if I'll be able to get in the bunk with that little girl over there. Yeah, gee, I wonder if she's okay. I wonder what she's thinking. I wonder. See, young and dumb really, really, really goes into overdrive when you add females. Okay? So it's a bad plan. And the military should have resisted it. To their last dying breath. Everybody should have resigned if they were going to push this and said, no, you know what? This diminishes our combat readiness. And that's really what the military guys ought to be concerned with. Combat readiness. And only combat readiness. I don't care what your little social problems are. I don't care what your little rights are. I don't care about that. You're in the military. Hey, guess what? Here's a surprise. You don't have any rights. You signed those rights away when you signed up in the military. Okay? You think you got rights? Well, why don't you go read the Uniform Code of Military Justice and you'll find out. No, you don't. Oh, but they got rules and laws just like... you know. No, they don't. Because they got one really cool one right at the end there that says, oh, and by the way, article whatever it is, if you do something that your commanding officer doesn't like and it's not listed here, well, he can use this one to prosecute you under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Woohoo! It's a dictatorship. You don't have any you don't have any rights, and that's the way a military has to run. I'm not criticizing the fact that the military is in fact a dictatorship with a strict chain of command, because that's how it has to be. I don't know what people think that, you know, the military is what? Some sort of trip to Disneyland or something where, oh, you know, hey, I should have a right to you. I should have a... No, combat readiness. That's the only thing that should matter to these people at the Pentagon. But they're all a bunch of stuffed shirt pretenders wearing uniforms they don't deserve because they're nothing but politicians.
Because the minute you start saying, well, yeah, okay, maybe we need to let girls, to, maybe we need to let homos, maybe we need to let transvestites, maybe we, yeah, guess what? You just turned into a stinking politician. You're no longer a soldier. You're no longer, yeah, you don't deserve to wear an officer's uniform in the United States military if you're worried about, uh, gee, are the homos getting a fair shake? Are the girls getting a fair shake? You know what? You shouldn't be concerned about anybody getting a fair shake. You should be wondering, are our troops combat ready or not? That's it. Now, I'm not a big military supporter, but if we're going to have one, uh, it should be ready to fight. And ours is not. And uh, <clears throat> Rome had the same problem. See, not only do we have all that... Uh, most of the people in the military now are mercenaries. Meaning, they're only in the military for the paycheck. And they're only in the military for the paycheck because they couldn't get a paycheck anywhere else. You know, people still want to have families. They still want to get married. But then they realize, gee, I'm not going to be able to do that working at 7-Eleven. I'm not going to be working uh, to be able to do that working at Walmart. I'm not going to be able to do that with any job I can get where I live. And then here comes the recruiter to your high school telling you how wonderful it is. Oh, hey, see exotic and wonderful places all around the world and then kill everybody that lives there. Ooh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I've been playing these video games in Mommy's Basement here for years now, and uh, that's what I do on there. And Boy, this will be great fun to go do that in real life. But I don't think that many kids are thinking that. You know, the, those are the psychopath kids, and I'm sure there's some of them. But most kids are like, I can't get a job. I can't get a job that pays me. And the recruiter will tell you a lot of lies about how much money you'll make, about how, oh, yeah, you can move your little sweetheart over here to the, well, you know, yeah, maybe you can once you get to be a sergeant or something or above. But below that, uh, <laughs> you're not getting much. You're not getting paid all that much, and you're not getting that, all that, you know, many housing uh, allotments or anything like that until you get, you're in there for a few years and you get some rank. Then, then it ain't so bad, but... You know, you you got a little bit to go before that. And you'll probably lose a few girlfriends before that happens. The fact is, when you have people in your military that are only there for the paycheck, they are mercenaries. Go read. Uh, honestly, really, folks, it, it's a good read. It really is a good read. The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. It's very interesting. It'll be enlightening. You know, one thing I noticed, because the other weekend... I decided to binge watch uh, because I had not actually seen four, four episodes of Star Wars. Never saw them. I saw the first one. I saw The Empire Strikes Back, and I heard I saw The Return of the Jedi. Those are the three I did see, you know, before. But I hadn't ever seen the other ones because I never really cared that much for Star Wars. And I, I kind of don't. It was fun to watch, though. I got to admit that. You know, to watch them in order all at once is one big thing. And you know what I found that George Lucas did? It's very clever, too. And it's it's a, it's a odd way of making a 
you know, a an epic. Because that's really what Star Wars is when you take all the episodes together. It's an epic story. But the way he put it together was, well, you know, okay, I'm going to do part four first. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? And then I'm going to make part three, you know, 20 years later. And, you know, but they're all going to go together and they're going to work. And they do. And he does a good job keeping them all consistent because you really don't see that much difference between, you know, the original Star Wars that came out, what, 79 or something? And the most recent one that came out in 2016, they pretty much flow together really well. But what I noticed was, in the whole story, when you watch it from beginning to end, what you're actually seeing is the rise and fall of the Roman Empire in outer space. That's what the Star Wars epic is. It's the story of the Roman Empire. And they don't, you know, they don't really couch it that well. It is the empire, after all. And it did start off as a republic. And we saw, you know, I mean, they went through the whole thing. And he really took the storyline of the rise and fall of the Roman Empire and just put it in outer space. So I suppose you could go watch that, too. And find out what's going on with us. Because we are on the fast track of the fall part of the Roman Empire. And you know, um, okay, nations rise and nations fall, big deal, right? Yeah, to an extent. Except, you see, Rome was more than just a nation. Rome was an empire. Rome had their tentacles all around the world. Rome didn't even have their legions in 138 different countries, folks. All right? But, so Rome falls. And they're like, ah, so what? Ah, so what if the United States falls? Well, okay. Except for what happened after the Roman Empire fell. Yeah, that little thing called the Dark Ages. I don't know, what did it last, 400 years or something? Ooh, that's a pretty long time. That's like twice as long as the United States has even existed. Hmm, that could be bad. By the time we get done with that, nobody will remember anything about, well, civilization. Because you see, Rome, like the United States... And this is not arrogant United States, you know, we're this and we're that. It's just the fact of the matter is the United States is the center of Western civilization. You know, we took on that role in World War II when we decided, you know, or, well, we didn't really decide we were manipulated by fraud and deceit by, you know, Roosevelt. But either way, we ended up taking on that role as the the leader of Western civilization. And after World War II, what happened? Look at the Japanese. Man, they have completely embraced Western culture. All around the world, people speak English. All around the world, people want American things, even though they hate America. And why do they hate America? Because America, you see, after World War II, you know what? In the 1950s, Americans were loved and welcomed everywhere they went. Because we were the liberators. We were the ones that saved everybody from tyranny. 
and people loved us all around the world, and our money was worth more than anybody else's. We could vacation anywhere in the world for a quarter of the price it would take to go on vacation in the United States. Americans traveled all around the world, and we were beloved everywhere we went. How's that working out now? Oh, I suppose the rest of the world just turned into a bunch of jerks, right? And that's why they hate us now. Or could it be because the United States government has gone everywhere in the world and abused everybody far worse than Nazi Germany ever did? And that, that's saying something, folks. That is really saying something. Because, listen, the Nazi regime was not a bunch of nice guys. But we're worse. Our government is worse. Far worse. Hey, you can ask people who lived through World War uh, to Nazi occupation and what are they saying now you know they're all 80 years old and such but what are they saying now I'll tell you what they're saying now they're saying oh my gosh you know everything we saw happening in Germany is happening here yeah we have met the enemy and the enemy is our federal government the rest of the world knows it but with all the things, with all the parallels we have with the Roman Empire just before it fell, you better take note. And you know what? Like me, I, I don't care. You know what? 10, 20, 30 more years for me, that's it. And, and, and that's all I got to worry about. Maybe less. But gee, what if you're 15? What if you're 20? That kind of sucks for you, huh? Gee, you think you might be kind of upset with your parents once you find out how they screwed you over and stole your future? Huh? Gee, maybe the Bible's on to something where it says, uh, you know, children are going to end up killing their parents. Yeah, I wonder why that would be. Oh, I know, because the parents screwed them over and stole their future. How about that? Yeah, maybe there. You know, and, oh, uh, you know, you're just fear-mongering. Oh, yeah, well, I'm not fear-mongering if it's true, okay? You need to prepare. And if you want to, you know, start writing your congressman and saying, listen, you, well, you better be able to back it up. And I, I suggest everybody start groups where you live, local groups, and start taking control of your local politics. You know, if I had any time on my hands, I would be doing that. But I don't have any time on my hands. When I did, I was doing that. But, you know, the time wasn't now, and, you know, we did the best we could, and we failed. We failed. We tried to make a change in, in southern Oregon here about our wood industry being destroyed by the federal government. We tried. But all we got was a bunch of hot air from our local politicians. You know why? Because they were receiving so many benefits and so much money from the federal government that they didn't want to hear it. They didn't care about the people. They were in it for themselves. They wanted to go along and get along and play along and get paid for it. And they did. And they sold the rest of us down the river. And we tried to stop them and we failed. I was going to UN, uh, you know, uh, every UN day we'd burn a UN flag. Well, the UN's still in New York, so we failed there too. 
but that doesn't mean you don't try, folks. And things are different now, and more people are more awake, and we may have more success. So I encourage you folks. Listen, that was 25 years ago for me. I was a lot younger then. You younger folks, that's what you need to be doing. Anyway, i got to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. I'm going to play some stuff that you're probably not as familiar with as uh, maybe you think you are.
have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called, and you're potentially involved in a homicide. But it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still Friday, January 6, 2017. It's about 2.43 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's when it is where you're at, we're live, 800-932-1980. Or you can go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com and... uh Hit up the chat room. You can participate that way, or you can just socialize. But everything you need to know is on the website. Everything you need to know about this network, should I say. All right, let's get to it here. Donald Trump, enough about the fall of the Roman Empire, or United States, but on to Donald Trump. You know what he's doing? This is great. I think this is great. Donald Trump orders Barack Obama's ambassadors to resign their posts. I think that is a great idea, and they're saying it's an unprecedented move, and that's just a bunch of BS. You know, these people really depend on everybody out there embracing their short-term memory loss. I mean, really. It's not an unprecedented move. Every time a Democrat has ever gotten into office, they fire everybody and put start putting in their own people. See, Republicans haven't done that. They replace open positions. They haven't yet until now, and I think it's a great idea. You know, you got to start playing these guys the way they play you. You're all fired. If you're a Democrat, you're out of my administration. Get the hell out. That's it. Why should this administration have any Democrats in it? It shouldn't. And he's telling them all, get out, okay? Yep, the president-elect's team are reported to have demanded ambassadors appointed by Barack Obama to leave their overseas posts by Inauguration Day on January 20th. Yep, the decision to provide no grace period for politically appointed ambassadors marks a significant break with decades of tradition. Well, you know what? Uh, Let's see. When did he tell them this? Oh, let's see, January 20th, he'd pull him, get out by January 20th, and, uh, oh, let's see here, they sent this out to the diplomats on December 23rd, well, gosh, that's almost 30 days, how much notice do these people really want, get the hell out, you've wrecked the world, you're a bunch of losers, get out. I applaud this. I hope he sticks to it. And if they're not out, I hope they arrest them. Hey, now here's something interesting. You know, the FBI's put out one more report. I read it, and it's still just as much garbage as all the other ones. Listen, the the FBI and the CIA and all these guys, man, they keep regurgitating what they said at the beginning. And they figure, well, if we just keep saying it long enough, everybody's going to believe it. We, uh, listen, we assess, we believe, we strongly believe, we really feel this way about it. That's their whole report. It is devoid of any facts that point to Russia. And let me point something else out. What are they even accusing? Oh, they influenced the elections. Really? Well, that's kind of a stretch. Because whoever, Russia, China, Whoever, a disgruntled employee of the DNC, whoever it was that hacked those computers or got that information out, what did they do? Did they hack into the 
die bolt machines? Did they hack into the tabulators? Did they hack? No. There is no accusation of that whatsoever. What they're talking about is hacking in to the Democratic National Committee. Hacking in to Podesta's laptop. Okay? That's what they're talking about. How exactly is discovering criminal activity and making it public, you know, the Democrats are acting as though, well, by exposing our crimes, you lost the election for us. And that's interfering with our democracy because our democracy allows us to be criminals and we're not supposed to get caught because, by golly, we have paid a lot of money to get the media on board with us, and now you came along and ruined it all. See, that's not fair. We can't have that. Folks, you know what? I don't care who hacked into the DNC. And if it was the Russians, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because you know what? You people out there are thinking, oh, that was such a horrible thing. Really? So you think that's the horrible thing? You don't think all the stuff that the Democrats have been saying amongst themselves you don't think that's horrible you don't think it's horrible that hillary clinton and the state department was taking money through the clinton foundation and providing favors you don't think that's horrible well debbie wasserman schultz thought it was horrible enough to have to resign and her next pig that came in there uh donna brazil yeah she's another crook liar you know, I mean, really, folks, and oh, oh, the hacking is the big deal. The hacking's not the big deal. How come John McCain and all the pukes in Congress aren't investigating the actual in- information within those emails, huh? How come they're not looking at it going, wait, wait a minute, you know what? The real threat to our democracy is the Democratic National Committee. That's the real threat. And then we go to the FBI and say, well, gee, uh, what do you feel like? Well, it doesn't matter what they feel like, because guess what? The FBI never even investigated the DNC servers they claim Russia hacked. So wait a minute. So I'm going to claim Russia hacked into this computer over here, but I'm never even going to look at the computer. How do you do that? How do you justify that? How can you promote that out there without somebody? You figure nobody's going to notice that you didn't even investigate the computer? You didn't investigate the DNC servers? Maybe the DNC didn't let them because they don't want the FBI nosing around in their servers. Gosh, they might find actual evidence of criminal activity, which shouldn't be too hard. Well, unless you're the FBI, which is probably the most incompetent group of buffoons the federal government has. And that's that's really stretching, and I would say the IRS, but they're actually not a part of the federal government, so they don't count. I mean, really, folks, you got to start looking at the, oh, your FBI says, yeah, but, and how do you come across that? Well, we don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it because you got nothing to talk about because you never did any investigation. You're just parroting what you've been told to say. James Comey is a criminal. He should be locked up at best. At worst, he should be hanged for treason. Sorry. That's the way it goes when you're a crook and a traitor, Comey. But, you know, the, nobody reads past the headlines. And that's 
that's actually been that's true. Now let's go back to our FBI, our wonderful FBI, who's saying, "Oh yeah, Russia hacked in." Of course, we know this because well, we never did investigate the uh, DNC servers, but we know, we feel, we really have assessed, and we think. And our masters have told us this is what we need to say, so we're saying it because we want to keep our high-dollar job because I got an IQ of 80, and I couldn't get a job paying this much money anywhere else for this kind of dough, so I've got to do what I'm told. Yeah, that's the FBI of today, but it gets even better. So the FBI's out there, and we're figuring, well, okay, so they're investigating and prosecuting child pornography, you know, purveyors. Oh, that's a good thing. Everybody's for that. Nobody's really against that. Well, except the FBI. That's right. The FBI dismisses child porn prosecution after refusing to hand over details on its hacking tool. They would rather let child pornographers go free than to let on to what they use for their hacking tools. What good are the hacking tools to catch criminals if every time a criminal says, oh yeah, I want to see how exactly you came about getting this warrant. Oh, we don't want to tell you. Oh, well, that's too bad because it's part of due process. Okay, then case dismissed. Yep, on June 23rd, 2016, the United States Attorney's Office for the Western District of Washington filed a protective notice of appeal to preserve the right of the United States to pursue an interlocutory appeal of the order of the district court granting the defense motion to compel and finding as a remedy for the refusal to comply that the evidence of the network investigative technique the search warrant issued on the basis of that evidence and the fruits of that search should all be suppressed. Right. Well, we got a warrant. We don't want to tell you how. We don't want you to be able to see the warrant. We don't want to be able to show you anything we're using against you, but uh, just believe everything that we said and you're guilty. Uh Uh-huh. Well, upon further review within the Department of Justice, or the court's order, and the record in the case, the United States has concluded that this appeal should not be pursued. It is for that reason that the United States now respectfully requests that this appeal be dismissed. Yeah, the FBI is developing quite the reputation for dropping prosecutions in the face of challenges of its secret tools and techniques. The NDAs it hands out to every law enforcement agency seeking to purchase stingrays not only tells them to obscure the device's use, but to let suspects walk if it seems some of this info might make its way into the courtroom. Wow. Wow. What's more problematic here is the FBI DOJ's two-faced stance on the issue. The FBI argues in court, often obtaining the court's agreement, that these questionable tactics, deploying malware warrants that ignore jurisdictional limits, running child porn sites rather than shutting them down, etc., are justified because the people it's going after are just that terrible. But it turns around and lets the very bottom of the basket of criminal suspect deplorables go free rather than hand over information to the defense. It goes, it does this even though the defense, the judge, and the DOJ would do all they could to protect as much of the NIT information as possible. Wow. 
unfortunately, the judge presiding over this case wasn't going to let the FBI have 100% secrecy and 100% of the derived evidence. And that has resulted in a voluntary dismissal of someone the government clearly felt was enough of a criminal menace that its extreme tactics were justified. You know what, folks? If what you're doing is so wonderful and so good and so needed and so good for everybody... Uh, why is it so dangerous to let it out? Hmm? And why do they tell local law enforcement, listen, you need to obscure the use of this. And you got to let people walk if, if the theme looks like this might come to light. Well, folks, I guarantee you, if you end up in court, this should be a standard for any attorney out there. And if you're not going to use an attorney, you should figure it out, folks. You get to court, you end up in court, the first thing, whether or not you even think they used it, you need to request in discovery that they provide any evidence concerning, you know, these sort of things. I'm serious, folks. Uh, Very powerful people in the U.S. government want war. Well, yeah, we know that, right? Here's something. I tell you, man, these these liberal rags, Salon, you've heard of that magazine, right? Yeah. The 60 million people that voted for Donald Trump. Yeah, the reason Donald Trump won was not because of uh, economics. It wasn't because Hillary Clinton's a criminal. It wasn't because of anything like that. It was because 60 million Americans are just racist white pigs. That's all. That's why. That's what their article. This is the kind of crap they're publishing. Meanwhile, there's a silver producer who's preparing to join a lawsuit against bullion banks for price rigging. More price rigging, folks. You know, if you listen to Financial Survival on this network, you know they've been talking about price rigging for a long time. Okay? The price... Uh, listen, gold and silver, you better start buying it because it has been kept way down for what it ought to be. And the the way they've done it, mostly, uh, you know, I mean, they've had some criminal things going on, too, where they've illegally just done it. But mostly, they've done it because they're issuing paper certificates that people think represent gold somewhere. I'm going to buy gold, but I don't want all that heavy, nasty gold around me, so I'm going to let you keep it 3,000 miles away from me, and you just send me a little piece of paper saying, I own one ounce of gold. Whee! Okay, great. Except, you know what? They issue 300 of those little slips of paper for every actual ounce of gold they have. You see a problem there? What if only two? Out of those 300, say, I want, my, I want my ounce of gold. They can't deliver. Okay? What if 10? What if 100? What if all 300 want their gold? They can't produce it. They don't have it. It's a fraud. It's, you know, I mean, what do you call that other than that? Huh? So, you know, the whole hacking thing is crazy. 
uh, discrediting Hillary Clinton. Nobody discredited Hillary Clinton except Hillary Clinton's past, Hillary Clinton's record, Hillary Clinton's statements. That's what discredited Hillary Clinton. Nobody discredited Hillary Clinton except Hillary Clinton. Now, oh, people can argue, well, you weren't supposed to be able to see that stuff. Oh, I see. So, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton has privacy, but I don't. Because, oh, no, the government says, you know, if I get together with some people and conspire to, you know, break the law, well, I'm in a criminal conspiracy now, and they can come and arrest me. But not Hillary Clinton. That stuff's supposed to remain secret for her because, well, she's her. Huh. Well, I got to go. I'll be back Monday. We got good stuff coming up all weekend, so stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening. and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
fighting soldiers from the sky. Fearless men who jump and die. Men who mean just what they say. The brave men of the Green Beret. All right, everybody, you are tuned in correctly, accurately. To American Voice Radio. The program is Freedom Call. I'm your host. My name is Bo Greitz. What I have to speak to you about today is uh, most serious. You may think, uh, Bo, I don't uh, understand you clearly. Uh, it seems like everything is all right. Uh, all the consumers were happy uh, with uh, the way we spent our money uh, on Christmas. Uh, we have a new Congress now that is a conservative uh, Congress in the House of Representatives and uh, very close to having uh, probably what will at least be a draw in the U.S. Senate. And so <clears throat> what is the problem? Well, uh, here is the problem. We are not following the law. I'm talking about the supreme law of the land. I'm talking about that in uh, two different uh, arenas. First of all is the Constitution. In the Constitution... The U.S. Congress is supposed to control the coinage of the United States, make it available to us, be responsible for the accounting, give us uh, a budget, and the executive branch is to manage that. Now, what has happened is that because banks are greedy. And you look at uh, history of the world, and if you want to try to focus a little bit more, then let's just take uh, Europe, European history of the world, and you go back and uh, look at how there is, oh, lightly what you would call incest, within the blue bloods that have ruled Europe. Uh, King George I, for example, which uh, was uh, the king of England. We fought our independence against King George III. Well, King George I was king of England, but he could not speak a word of English because he was German. But because of the intermarriage and the uh, hoping to uh, keep security and peace or gain power, uh, the various uh, prince and princesses uh, were uh, sent abroad uh, within the continent of Europe, over to England, and they intermarried, and then as uh, God would have it, circumstances and death, uh, the different ones uh, took power from time to time, these blue bloods. Now, it's interesting that uh, the 
banks really didn't care who won the wars, who was in power because they actually supplied the money to both sides. And conflict is an engine for banks uh, where countries spend money without accountability, wildly they spend it. And so it goes back to before the American independence, and you see in Frankfurt, Germany, there was a house uh, that was known as the Red Shield, uh, because, and in German, uh, the Red Shield means Rothschild. And this uh, Rothschild was very clever because he dealt in coinage and coin collecting, and he uh, had managed to befriend uh, the royalty. Uh, he was able uh, to uh, begin to be relied upon for uh, loans, for security, uh, for uh, taking care of fiduciary matters of the entire country and then uh, continent. And so as uh, his the Rothschild children, there were five brothers, as they grew, they, they all grew into their dad's business. And he farmed them out so that the uh, Red Cross, the sign of the Red Cross, the Rothschild, uh, would uh, manage the money uh, in Paris, uh, manage it in Great Britain, and even extend the management into the United States. Now, the banks were doing uh, quite well, especially when it came to uh, financing armies. As you remember in our own war for uh, independence, who were we fighting against? Well, we say we were fighting against the Redcoats. That's more accurate than saying uh, we were fighting against the British. Now, King George III uh, certainly saw America as a colony, but because of the business aspects, because of the Rothschild and their uh, financial advising, the House of Hesse in Germany, the House of Hanover, they were the ones who furnished the mercenaries who uh, came to the United States and we, uh, or America, the colonies in those days, and that's who we were fighting against, professional soldiers that were then paid uh, by Great Britain uh, through the House of Rothschild. There would be loans made and uh, payments secured, and everything seemed to get along just fine. And actually, according to the Rothschilds, they really didn't care whether uh, America won its independence. Uh, France, as you know, gave America a hand 
Well, that's all right, because the Rothschilds in France uh, were doing nicely with the money situation. It was that uh, as if they had an exclusivity uh, on uh, nobody would deal with anyone else because they were so well connected. And so uh, whether they fanned the flames of war or whether they preferred uh, peace, it really mattered uh, little. And so we saw uh, through the War for American Independence, and then uh, we had us uh, a Bill of Rights by 1791, but uh, then the War of 1812, that's not much peace, broke out and went until 1815. Washington was razzed, uh, burned to the ground. Uh, then Old Hickory actually fought the Battle of New Orleans after the British had sued for peace, but the word didn't get around uh, quite that quick. And I'm not sure that old Hickory would have paid much attention anyway. You had a whole lot of British uh, troops down there near New Orleans, and uh, old Hickory uh, wanted that battle uh, to send them fleeing, and he got it. Well, uh, when we look at the Civil War... Now, there's nothing civil about it, so some prefer to call it the war uh, for Southern independence. Uh, others uh, call it the war between the states. Uh, it was, the war wasn't fought over slavery. Lincoln, very clear about that, said, uh, keep your slaves, just don't uh, secede from the Union. Keep the Union together. General Grant, who was the commanding general for the Union Army, and the president uh, following, actually, Andrew Johnson was a white slave. He was the vice president. When Lincoln was assassinated, Andrew Johnson took over. But uh, Grant was uh, the elected president. He made the statement while he was a general in charge of the Union Army, if I thought this war was about slavery... I would be on the other side. And uh, to show you uh, sort of uh, Abraham Lincoln, who is considered to be uh, one of the, the two greatest presidents, if we look at George Washington as actually being the father of our country, then we oftentimes see Abe Lincoln uh, second in line. It was Abraham Lincoln who had a plan uh, for uh, what was known as colored people. And uh, it, it's rather interesting, but the daughters of the revolution in Virginia paid for a country, Liberia, over in Africa. They bought they created, sort of like the U.N., this country, uh, to uh, go hand-in-hand hand with Lincoln's uh, proposal and his plan uh, for the redistribution, the return of American blacks to Africa. And uh, the deal was, if you uh, wanted to go to Africa then uh, you would have free land, and you would be free over there. And, of course, uh, 
Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation issued during the uh, war between the states uh, was uh, freed the slaves just in the South. It didn't have the effect of the same thing in the North. Now, uh, they had to create uh, because uh, it wasn't the same with other, uh, quote, colored people. Uh, Chinese, for example, didn't have a problem. Uh, Mexicans, uh, brown people, didn't have a problem. Uh, Indians, uh, they had a sovereignty. There wasn't a problem. Uh, but it was with uh, American blacks that they literally created the United States citizenship for. Now, they... Uh, First of all, uh, slavery was outlawed way back in like 1808. Uh, it was outlawed first in Jamaica. Uh, I'm actually not Jamaica, but Haiti, sorry. Haiti was uh, the first, uh, quote, Negro uh, slave nation. And uh, they, as a matter of fact, uh, had their own form of ethnic cleansing. And they wanted to get rid of white people and anybody that wasn't uh, of black uh, African origin. And they found that uh, it was not as easy uh, to generate uh, money in exchange and business and trade and uh, the economy, commerce, uh, without the help of, uh, of Europeans and Americans. But they started out, and they set a model because Great Britain uh, outlawed slavery, and the United States outlawed slavery. And this was, uh, you know, even before uh, the, uh, the second invasion of England, the War of 1812, this was like 1808, uh, that the United States, Great Britain, uh, following Haiti, uh, made this law. You cannot uh, have slaves anymore. And now, it didn't, because uh, if you recall, it was uh, deep, long after that, that they had the Dred Scott decision by the U.S. Supreme Court. In the Dred Scott decision, which was in the 1850s, it was determined that if uh, you were a, uh, a bought person, if, if you had been bought and paid for, and the person who owned you, as and again, Andrew Johnson, Vice President Abraham Lincoln, was a white slave, then when your master died... You were conveyed. It didn't free you. The Dred Scott decision said that slaves were chattel, that you transferred to the ownership of uh, the recipient, whoever uh, was in line to receive the goods of, of that person uh, who died. So as you can see, uh, after the Civil War, Lincoln put into effect uh, his uh, redistribution program uh, where he, and they moved about 40,000 uh, former U.S. slaves uh, to Liberia. Uh, 
And as a matter of fact, Liberia is still a country uh, today, and uh, the core of Liberia is made up of former uh, black American slaves. So that's uh, one way. Now, another way is is that uh, they had to create a situation where uh, American blacks uh, could have citizenship. So they uh, they created an amendment to the Constitution which outlawed slavery. Well, they had already done that, basically. And uh, then they created the U.S., the United States citizen. Now, each state had uh, its own citizens. And as part of the Constitution, it was that... Uh, the states, while they were independent, were united, and each state had to look upon and honor uh, with uh, equal jurisdiction, equal power, equal rights, uh, all of the other states of the Union. So you had, uh, now like Texas, Texas is a republic. There are citizens of Texas. Now, if, and Texas didn't allow for all uh, colored type people. Now, in California, you have the Republic of California. All of these, interestingly, you have the Commonwealth, like of uh, Virginia, for example. So these state citizens... Uh, we is it's kind of blurred now. We look upon uh, everyone as a U.S. citizen, and the thing that sort of ties us together uh, is the uh, social security. Now, if you are not in the social security system, and I know people who are adults and have children. Uh, now their children have become young adults themselves who have never uh, joined the uh, United States as U.S. citizens. They are Americans. They have rights to travel among all states because this is part of the Union. But they retain their state citizenship. And uh, there used to be nothing at all wrong with this. Now, if you, for example, uh, were not someone eligible to be a state citizen, then you could always claim your U.S. citizenship, but it didn't mean, and you could have dual citizenship. If you move later to a state that allowed, uh, under your special circumstance of immigration, allowed you to be uh, a state citizen, you could be a state citizen and a U.S. citizen. The Social Security system has now they have it's like a low deal title a land patent where your land you don't pay any taxes on it the government can never seize it it is land that is yours in all uh, time all perpetuity that's the purpose 
of the BLM was to, as America acquired more land in the westward movement, in wars, in acquisitions, uh, Seward's Folly, the Louisiana Purchase, all this kind of stuff, that the Americans could buy their property and that that property was in a lodial title. Well, now, uh, the if you talk to a real estate person who's just graduated from real estate school, they don't know what a lodial title is. But on this program, I have given you examples of in recent times. And one example was Anna Inman, 93, who lives here in Sandy Valley, and uh, she was being thrown off her land by uh, Junior Minnie Bush's BLM. And uh, that's when I got involved. I looked at the maps, and I looked at uh, the deeds, and I saw something uh, peculiar about Anna Inman's property. There was a little box around it. And when I checked the margin of the map, it said... Land patent. Well, now, land patent and a lodial title are synonyms. They mean the same thing. And so I knew that uh, Anna was making some mistakes. First of all, Anna was paying the BLM uh, to lease her own property. She was paying taxes. The government thought that it had uh, the right of eminent domain. They were taking Anna Inman's land away from her with armed agents told her within 30 days you got to reclaim this land and be off of it. Well, the current head of the U.S. Uh, BLM, Bureau of Land Management, is named Robert Abbey. And uh, Robert Abbey uh, went to Senator Ensign, who's in trouble for walking on his foreskin, but he's still a senator in the uh, uh, great state of Nevada. We met in his office, and I uh, looked at Abbey, because Anna Inman was there, and I said, uh, Mr. Director, you know that Anna Inman's property is a land patent. And he looked at me, and you can kind of see the spirit go out of his eyes. He said, yes, I'm aware of that, Bo. And I said, under a land patent, you have no right of eminent domain. Uh, you know, she has been wrong in paying you money for lease. That uh, land is hers. Uh, forever, and she can pass it on. And he said, I understand that, Bo. And so Mr. Abbey uh, put a special zone around Anna Inman's property. When Obama was elected, uh, they changed everybody's name, uh, you know, sounded uh, much more politically correct. Uh, and uh, I, they came after Anna Inman's property. Well, the same day that they came after her property, Obama had to appoint <laughs> Mr. Robert Abbey because he couldn't just make a czar. You've got to have some brains uh, to run the BLM. There's millions of square miles that belong to the federal government, most of the West. 
And so uh, Robert Abbey was made uh, the uh, national director of BLM. And that same day we met again, and only this time with Obama's people, only we met uh, in the same U.S. senator, Republican's office. Uh, still, he's in trouble for walking on his foreskin. And uh, I was told that Robert Abbey was just uh, reappointed. And I looked at the manager of BLM for Nevada, and I said, is there any reason for this meeting? And he said, no. He recognized instantly. He knew you cannot take land away that is properly titled. Now, fee simple is feudal. And almost all the land in America is at what? The pleasure of the king. That's what all this feudal stuff was about. The king didn't like you anymore. He come in and took it over. The right of eminent domain, they just take it over. The right of taxation. If you don't pay everything or do everything, they come out and take your land away. So the reason that I'm sort of getting into this is I'm leading up to something uh, that uh, you must recognize. And, uh, you know, it's... It's nothing new, but I'm trying to put it together so you will fully understand it. So please, on this Friday, be patient with me. I'll try to you know, get this thing done as quickly as I can and, and get the, the hard news out to you. So you're listening to American Voice Radio, and the voice you're hearing is uh, for Freedom Call, and it's from me, Bo Greitz, and I'll be right back with you. survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare, while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L-A-N-S-E-T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessing.
blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Sometimes uh, I've got this understanding, and it's uh, stuck between my ears, and I look for now a way through the neural pathways of your brain that should be sort of a drainage system, and then it should be able to pour out through your mouth, uh, made sense of, you know, by uh, your articulation, your brain that says, okay, now make sure you, you know, you put the subject matter and the predicate, the action and the verbs and adverbs and adjectives and all this kind of stuff. And that's English and we understand things. And then when we understand things, we make things happen. 
Well, uh, just uh, and uh, before, could I, this is all part of the equation. Talking to uh, Frank Steffen, who is the owner and operator of uh, American Voice Radio. Frank and I get a few minutes uh, during the break to kind of uh, share information and wonderment about what in the world is going on. How can it already be Friday? Anyway, Frank said that today, interestingly enough, uh, the state of Kansas has already previously done this in the court system, but today the Massachusetts Supreme Court has ruled that uh, these fiduciary uh, institutions, now the reason I couch it in that term, is it's more than just banks. But these people uh, who control loans and are foreclosing. Now, I've told you, we set an all-time record. There is 1,618,000 bankruptcies this last year in, in a year. Well, that's more than has ever been before in the history of the United States. And there is 1,060,000 foreclosures where banks have gone in and says, get out of the house, we're taking it back. And then it says there, a house is not for sale, it says house bank owned. And then you, I mean, there's all kind of things that, that sprout from that. But here we are. I'm trying to uh, get you to open your mind to this concept of the little house in Frankfurt, Germany, back uh, in the early, um, well, back in the 17th century, that had a red cross on it. And so uh, people uh, that got interested in... Uh, in this family, uh, they would say, how do I get to the place with the Red Cross, the Rothschild? Oh, yes. Uh, and so uh, they would uh, direct them in Frankfurt to the house with the Red Cross. Well, that banking mindset where they control the currency of the world now, at that time, it was a control the currency of Germany, control the currency, oh, yeah, now of England and of France and of Italy and of Spain and Belgium and Norway and the Nordic countries and the Scandinavian countries. Now, all of a sudden, you say, well, let's uh, reach across uh, the ocean. We'll control the currency and the credit of the United States. And so uh, they did. And it hasn't been that long ago. All of this under one family. Now, I've uh, got a book. It's an interesting book. I recommend it to you. <laughs> it's called Our Crowd. It is the story of Jewish banking, uh, a friend of mine on my team named Gary Goldman. Uh, Goldman was very proud of how his people had, because uh, when they first um, immigrated to the United States, 
uh, they were prevented uh, by Puritan law uh, from working. Now, and how does this happen? Well, you have Spain and you got Portugal. All right, now uh, they're Catholic, and so they actually physically run the Jews out of Europe. Jews can't be in there. So where do they go? Well, they uh, go to Brazil. A lot of uh, Jewish people immigrated to Brazil. Now, what happened to Brazil? Portugal took over Brazil. So what happens to the Jewish people now? Well, they came to New Amsterdam. Well, uh, where in the heck is that? That is what uh, New York is called uh, in the old days. Under the Puritans, it was New Amsterdam. Because a lot of our people, it was more free uh, over there uh, than with the Dutch. In Amsterdam, it was easier to come even than it was to England. You could go from England uh, to the Netherlands and then come from the Netherlands to the United States uh, easier than you could from England to the U.S. And so they call New York City New Amsterdam. So the Brazilian Jews that were run out of there, they settled well, the Puritan law, you couldn't go to Yale or Harvard unless you signed a loyalty to Yeshua Messiah, Jesus the Christ. You couldn't uh, be uh, in an office. You couldn't right now. Look how many Jewish people that we have in the administration and uh, who are in the Congress, in the U.S. Senate who are governors, wow. But see, then you could not serve in government if you were not Christian. And uh, so, and this is back when the swans uh, had found this beautiful, wonderful nesting place. And so uh, what happened? Well, you could, how did they live? You could do business as long as it was international business. So uh, a lot of Jewish people, they began to involve themselves uh, in inter... And how, what does that mean? That means, see, they didn't have airplanes. And they're right there on the East Coast. So it means you're not running uh, you know, a lot of uh, wagon trains uh, even to the West. Or you're not dealing in uh, cotton unless it's by ship. So uh, a lot of the slavers, for example, when you go back and look at the history uh, of slaving, uh, you don't find white uh, people going to uh, Africa, let's say West Africa, for example, and the Nigerias, uh, a lot of slaves came from Nigeria. You don't see white people going to Nigeria and running through the bushes uh, and uh, tackling or shooting or roping uh, black slaves. What happened is the dominant tribes of people in Africa would capture people of 
lesser strength, power, and influence, and then they would sell them to the slavers who would put them on ships and ship them back. And, of course, in the South, uh, you had a, an agrarian uh, culture. They dealt in textiles. And in the North, uh, it was different. Uh, they dealt in factories, in manufacturing. And so you got to have clothes and that kind of stuff. So uh, the... And Europe would pay more than uh, the northern states to uh, these southern uh, cotton dealers. And, uh, of course, then you could have Jewish people uh, take the cotton and make those kinds of deals uh, from uh, places uh, like South Carolina and along the coast there in Florida and uh, ship the uh, textiles to Europe. And uh, so everybody was happy with that, except the North. Uh, they wanted to be able uh, to pay less, uh, and they wouldn't pay as much as the Europeans. So there we have a reason, and I'll give you the reason, even though it wasn't uh, cut and dried, but a major reason of the war between the states is because uh, all of the presidents, had, and this was not something of Congress, because, see, the North had tremendous influence uh, in the Congress. They had more representatives than the South. And so uh, it was very easy for them to uh, say, uh, well, you are going to have to pay a tariff uh, on this cotton that you're going to export to Europe uh, since this cotton is needed in the north and uh, we don't want to pay uh, as much as Europe will. So it's going to cost you. Well, the uh, Southern uh, Congress, I mean, they just, the Southerners didn't have the votes. So the North, uh, uh, they would up the tax on the South to export cotton goods. And the presidents are the people who kept the tariffs reasonable. Otherwise, the Northern Congress would have had 50%, 100% tariff uh, to gain control of Southern textiles. So the uh, agreed on amount was 20%. Uh, old Hickory was there, 20%. Well, 20% is quite a bit, but it was the agreed amount. Well, Abe Lincoln had made an agreement that if he were elected president of the United States, he would increase this. He would, and he wouldn't do it himself. He would allow Congress. He wouldn't veto it. And so that's when uh, South Carolina and Florida said, if Abe Lincoln wins, the day he wins. We secede from the Union. 
And, of course, everything, now remember, everything now is under control of the Rothschild Banking uh, Consortium. And so I was just telling you the and how this thing got to be. And uh, in the case of a people, you know, Jews have got to make a living. And if they couldn't go to Yale or Harvard or they couldn't serve in government, they could deal in foreign trade. And so that uh, the it was actually a three-legged. It was alcohol. Uh, sugar, and slaves. And that's why in the Caribbean, you see the rum comes from there, the sugar comes from there, and as late as uh, you know, the 50s when Castro ran Batiste out, well, Pepsi-Cola was in line for all that sugar. The mafia ran <laughs> the, the illegal activities in the casinos uh, there in, uh, in Cuba. And uh, so when you look at it, uh, is there a good side uh, to communism? Well, it's debatable. But the mafia got run out, and uh, the sugar cane that didn't belong to uh, Pepsi-Cola anymore, the prostitutes ended up uh, sweeping the streets and picking up trash. So you be the judge. Anyway, what I'm telling you is I'm coming up to something here now, uh, accelerating as we go. Uh, the banking industry uh, thought to do with America as they did with Europe. They had to gain positive control, civilian, privately owned banks had to gain control of the, cur of the currency and credit of the United States. Well, by the Constitution, uh, that belonged to the U.S. Congress. But the, we didn't have radios or television in those days, so they bought up the 50 most uh, influential newspapers, like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and 48 others. And they began to run propaganda that how could we leave in the hands of an incompetent uh, Congress what should be run by the professionals. They said it's only in the uh, oldest profession that the amateurs think they're as good as the professionals. We need a Federal Reserve uh, that would actually uh, be responsible for the currency and credit of the United States, uh, and the U.S. government would continue to print the money, but the uh, privately owned banks were going to control it because they were the experts, don't you know? And when you own these newspapers, it took them a long time, but finally they got to the point just before World War I, because you see war is an engine of banking, they got to the point where we passed the Federal Reserve Act, which took away from Congress uh, their constitutional responsibilities uh, to uh, actually be the ones. We didn't have private banks that control the currency and credit, but we do now. 
Now, Bernanke is head of the Federal Reserve. They have made his position a, a federal position. But the banks, <laughs> you ask yourself, where is all the gold? And who holds it? And who owns it? Well, you say Fort Knox. <laughs> but I say that uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, which is a privately owned concern, and 90 feet beneath the sidewalk, they sell tours. They have the world's gold supply there. You can look it up on your Internet if you want to, and it might be of interest to you. Now, the United States was the target because we were the richest nation. Uh, we owned our land. We owned, I mean, it wasn't a feudal. It wasn't this fee simple like it is now. And so uh, they kept they, meaning the, uh, the actual blue bloods, are actually probably more responsible. And see, the blue bloods aren't the bankers. The Rothschilds were always standing in the shadows, waiting because if they control the money, if they control the credit, if they control what the money was worth, then they didn't need to be the sovereign. And so that is exactly how it comes down to make war, get involved, war, because the banks just fill their coffers, don't they? And other, like defense industry, uh, they do very well, too. Well, what's happened, let me show you, because in 1832, we didn't have any Federal Reserve. We didn't have any Federal Reserve until 1913. And uh, then, of course, we got the income tax. Yeah, well, you got to have some way, because every dollar, every any paper money, whether it's $1, $10, $20, $50, $100, if, it, if there was a million-dollar bill, it would cost the privately owned Federal Reserve the same, about three and a half cents for the paper and the ink. Now, the face value of that bill, once it is printed by the director of the Mint, is loaned to the United States government through the banks. It is loaned. The United States government owes interest on the debt. So they're now, the only thing is, you see, the newspapers could do a lot in finally gaining the vote for the Federal Reserve, uh, but uh, people aren't just completely stupid. So they said, because you see, there was a lot of coinage back in those days. They said any coinage, the American government gets the credit against the debt for the face value, because you know that it's not silver anymore, is it? I don't even know if they got any copper anymore in the penny. 
but the face value, America gets credit for it. So you know that there's a lot more paper money. And so right now, as we look at it, America owes. America is us, the United States. It's you. It's me. We have a national debt of $14 trillion. Fourteen billion nine hundred and ten million as of now. All right. Now uh, you may say, "Well, um, Bo, uh, is the is the uh, interest uh, is that a pretty large uh, part?" Yes, it is. The interest is two hundred and two billion four hundred and seventy nine million five hundred and twenty six thousand twenty seven thousand twenty eight thousand and so it's one of the largest expenditures just paying the interest on our own money now America you see we're so important to the world because we're borrowing a lot of money from foreign governments. We don't make anything anymore. We're the only country in the world that doesn't have to make anything because we can print our own money. And every country in the world accepts the American dollar. But friends, we are in deep trouble the fiat money system, which means you print money and there's no gold or silver or anything behind it, has always failed in the end. We are coming very close. The U.S. Congress uh, will have to decide very soon because our debt ceiling is $14 trillion, $300 billion. And we're already $14 trillion, $14 billion. Well, yeah, and, uh, and, and even uh, growing by $4 billion every day. So what happens if the, uh, if the OPEC, these uh, countries that are producers and owners of petroleum, what if they, because uh, most of them are Islamic, if they decide that they don't want to make the U.S. dollar the basis for petroleum. And now they're going to use the euro. I mean, just as an example, what happens to the U.S. dollar? It shrinks. What happens to us? Today, the Secretary of Defense, I didn't like him when he did this uh, deception with the don't ask, don't tell. I like him a lot less. He says that the Defense Department people, the soldiers, the retired soldiers, when I say soldier, I mean all military, that they are going to have to start paying more. Yes, which means that now... The medical that they promised us, we're going to have to start paying for it. The medications that they promised us, 
We're going to TRICARE. We're going to have to start paying more. Friends, get ready. Because it means everything. Fighting souls. And I've got a solution for this. I just run out of time. You know, it's like the University of Oklahoma. We have never lost a football game. We have only run out of time. And so I'm going to leave you today. And I had so many things to talk to you about. Uh, but I will be back Monday. Now figure out how you're going to take care of the Sabbath, will you? All right, guys. God bless you. I will see you on Monday. Keep tuned in to American Voice Radio. We'll test today, but only three. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.